Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving non stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. They've done it again. The Road Warriors of South Carolina went out west and brought a victory back to Columbia. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. And it better be, it better be a packed house to see all the fine signage in Colonial Life Arena on Saturday when Florida comes to town. Because this one is huge. Carolina is fighting to win the SEC regular season championship. And we're going to lay out that scenario here in just a little while. 
and it continued because of what they did last night. Built by the Barn Dominium Company, the Barn Doco is what they're called. You can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot in the Carolinas, Georgia, or in Tennessee. And we had plenty of bourbon to drink last night with Carolina at around 1030 uh, getting out of there with that two-point victory, chicken cock is our bourbon of choice, and we sure hope it is yours as well. Grayson Griner will be here at noon to talk about Clemson Carolina baseball. They're supposed to play tomorrow, weather permitting. They will definitely play this weekend. Plenty on that here in just a little bit. Alan Piercy joining us uh, in about 20 minutes or so as well. He's got an incredible book out. J.C. has read it. If you didn't know, J.C. can read, and he did read this book. It's awesome. It's called A Gamecock Odyssey. University of South Carolina sports in the independent era. Joe Rett recently named the Gamecock legend this year for hoops in the SEC. And there's a little bit about him in that, amongst other things. That's going to be a really neat conversation. If you uh, enjoy South Carolina athletics, stick around. It's coming up. There's a new wide receivers coach in town, of course. John Whittle initially broke this a few days ago where it was headed. It is now confirmed, and they'll introduce uh, Mike tomorrow at 11 a.m., and we'll look forward to that press conference as well. Uh, but uh, with all that said, guys, we really we're not going anywhere but College Station because for all the things that did not go their way, some their fault, some not. Last night in the ball game, the final score did seventy to sixty-eight. Zach Davis's layup with three seconds to go gave them another road win. They have the most in the SEC, seven in total on the season. And Carolina stands one game behind Tennessee and Alabama in the SEC standings at 11 and four. The Gators will walk in at 10 and five this weekend. That should tell you all you need to know about how important that ball game will be uh, for the uh, end of the year, the standings, the seedings, the tournament, and all that type of stuff. Guess what? Somebody between Tennessee and Alabama is going to lose on Saturday because they play Saturday night at Coleman Coliseum in T-Town. All eyes will, of course, be on that one uh, here in just a couple of days. But, um, man, J.C., Phil, they had to have it, and they got it. Damn, man. I was worried as you know what about these two games. Uh, I, I'm breathing easier, fellas, because it's uh, – Win or lose, coming home against two really good teams, I'd, I'd probably be disappointed if they didn't beat Florida. I, I watched Florida kind of sleepwalk past Missouri last night. Our friend Mike Morgan was on the call, of course, down there from the, the basketball swamp. And uh, I think I think Carolina will have a good day on defense uh, against those guys. And, and you know, Clint pointed out in the chat box, the free throw shooting last night, it was one of those games like the Georgia game where Carolina just couldn't buy one. That's atypical of this team. This team's a good free throw shooting team. Uh, and that cost them uh, down the stretch. And it's why it was closer than it probably should have been. But, uh, you know, officiating, whatever. I mean, you get out of there with a victory. <laughs> that's great. How about Zach Davis? I mean, right before our eyes, this guy is a defensive specialist. But, you know, Studi's now out. So you're missing Studi scoring. And Zach Davis is just taking it to the hole with with passion and ability and he's making his shot finishing drives. I mean, this guy, uh, he's always had a big upside, right. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's coming into his own this year and that's good for now and the future, uh, as well. So, um, yeah, I can't say enough about him and the effort to Cooper, almost what a triple double last night, almost incredible. Uh, 
crazy good key shots at key times. Michi Johnson got back in with on a roll scoring, yep. and he was huge. Um, at A&M, too, man, uh, Derek was right. They struggle shooting the ball, and you could kind of tell Buzz Williams' idea was let's just get to the line and hope they don't make it. And it almost worked out for them, you know. Uh, and, and what I saw last night, too, I'm going to point this out, guys, and this is why – through all of last year, and we were all all of us that were kind of shaking our head or scratching our head about the Lamont Paris hire. This is why we were all wrong. <laughs> South Carolina does not recruit a bunch of one and nuns. They don't recruit a bunch of five star athletes. Uh, they don't. They, they, you look at the athletic comparison between A and M and Carolina last night, and it's not even close. Uh, a and M's faster, sleeker, more. They jump better, whatever. Carolina's bigger, but. What I saw last night was a team full of athletes lose to a basketball team. Yeah. Period. And, 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 and you know, it's kind of like uh, the Mandalorian. This is the way. Uh, I think you want to dig South Carolina out of, you know, the 50 years of mediocrity and be consistent. Go against swim up river a little bit. Go against the grain like they are doing. Because these days, that type of a basketball team is difficult to beat no matter how great your athletes are. And I think that was proven last night. And, and it's proven really every time A&M steps on the court because that is not a skilled bunch as far as the, the fundamentals of the game go. But they're a bunch of great athletes. You know, I mean, they're those guys, as a football talent evaluator, my man, that guy could be an end. That guy could be a big safety. My God, you know, get these guys on the court. But, you know, the SEC goes that way. They have a lot of teams with a lot of great athletes. But they don't always have great basketball players. You know, and and I think in the SEC, you can. I've always thought you could win being a special prep. Uh, I didn't realize that's what they were getting in Lamont because he didn't have the players to do it last year. But now you sort of look at the big picture, like yeah, Carolina's sitting on something special. Uh, and hey, but go win the SEC, man. Uh, it's been yeah. 27 years, it's been 27 years since, since the Gamecocks have won it. And the unlike the ACC that counts their tournament champion as their official champion. The SEC champion is the regular season champ, but even if you tie, lose the tiebreaker, you still are a champion. And uh, there's not enough for this program in the trophy case, so they need they need a little more. So let's go win it. Um, it's I hope there's great crowds, and uh, you know you, you couldn't be more excited about the possibilities of Carolina being a three seed or a four seed or a two seed. Right. Heck, if they win the regular season, and God forbid they go win the tournament in Nashville. And are sitting at twenty nine and five. They'll be a one. I mean, yeah, you it, know, realistically, it, it really. I mentioned to somebody this morning. This is the, 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 what the, what this team is doing. And this might sound crazy, but just stop and think about it for a second. And it's okay if you differ from my opinion. This is more surprising than the team that went to the Final Four. I mean, we knew what that team was bringing back. If you would have said, if you would have said. Look, they're returning all these guys. They're they're going to go to the postseason and and they're going to go to the Final Four. I would have still said no, they're not going to the Final Four. But if you would have also laid this scenario out with that one years ago and said, well, this team is going to go eleven and twenty one with the best recruit in the country, and then next year they're going to have a bunch of transfers nobody's ever heard of with a coach literally nobody's ever heard of, and they're going to go be within a game or two of winning the SEC if they don't win the SEC I would have said give me the final four run you know like no way just just based on just basic you know well, understanding 
And, you know, a couple of things about the Crazy. Final Four team. You knew Frank Morton is very good. By the way, they completely screwed Frank Morton at UMass by going to the MAC, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, Frank Morton, you knew he was good in the tournament. They never lost the first round game at Kansas State. They went to the Elite Eight, Sweet 16, whatever. It's because of his style of defense. It's hard, hard to get ready for that in a week. Duke found that out the hard way. So did Baylor. So did Marquette. <laughs> so did Florida, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you knew you had a star in Sendarius Thornwell, and you had guys if they got hot from outside like Dwayne Notice and Rothfelder, along with Thornwell, and 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 then the the key there was PJ Dozier took it up a notch, and you but you knew PJ had it in him. These guys, you know, I, I like the way I, I, you know it's like you look at him in preseason. I'm like I, I like the way he passes the ball. You know, it's just this dumb. I'm like I I don't know what to think. I'm like I know they love BJ Mack. He's a big guy. Can shoot from outside. Okay. I didn't know he was going to be as good inside as he is. He's, he's pump fake city, and they're doing it such an old-school way, guys. I mean, yeah, okay, 6'8", 270, hitting a three-pointer. That's a little new school. But, man, the pump fakes, the the extra bounce pass, the, the, the getting back on defense, which is something every coach from church league on up teaches you. Get back on how many times you hear that in the basketball practice. Right. It's unbelievable, and they're doing it with simple things, and Lamont says that. And it's pretty, he's like, we, we master little simple things to get the outcome that we want. And they did. And I know they, 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 they that is a bugaboo blowing leads and you hope it doesn't become a trend. Unfortunately, it kind of is, but you know, Hey, this team's look in this league, you're going to hang in the balance. Sometimes that's too good. You know, it's too good of a league. They're too good athletes on the other end of the court, uh, too good players, you know, to, to, to blow everybody out and, you know, and I think last night, obviously free throw shooting hurt them, but man, what a, what a win, another, another road win, four straight in college station for this program, mm-hmm. nine out of 11 against A&M. Uh, so it's, um, and it's right there coming down to the wire Gamecock sitting there at 11 and four, there's 12 and threes and 10 and fives lurking. Uh, so strap it up and let's roll. Let, let's get let, these next three are going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's going to be a blast. We'll we'll look at the scenarios in just a little while as to how Carolina can pull this thing off, and they can. There is a realistic shot at doing this, and there is a path to doing it. Of course, that that path uh, also involves them taking care of business, which they're going to have to do, as you just mentioned, JC, in the next three games. For what it's worth, Friday night, uh, Parker McCollum, who's one of the great emerging country stars out there, I'll give him a quick plug. He can send me a check in the mail later. At the Colonial Life Arena has uh, his performance uh, it, uh, as part of his Burn It Down tour. He's got a song called Burn It Down. Carolina, of course, is trying to burn down the rest of the SEC. And if they could beat the Gators, they'll be on their way to possibly doing that. There are four unsold tickets in Colonial Life Arena right now. There are some available for resale, but there are just four tickets remaining for the ball game i hope you heard that so if you're planning to go and you haven't bought a ticket and you don't want to pay a little bit more via resale you better buy one of those four you're going to be out of luck and so it's going to be a sold out crowd at noon on saturday on espn and simulcast on the sec network uh, for this ball game but to your point here you know look that game we talked about it and they got it they were going to get a&m's best shot they were going to get AM's best shot. AM was playing for their tournament lives. Because of the loss, AM has to go win the SEC tournament now. They don't have enough left on the schedule. They've got Georgia, Mississippi State, 
and Ole Miss. They do have trips to Athens and trips to Ole Miss. If they win all three of those games, that ain't getting them in. They're going to have to go win the SEC tournament, if not win all three of those games and make a very deep run and hope some things happen around them, which that, of course, is possible. But it's really getting much, much closer to winning the SEC tournament. So they had to have it. And they did everything they could. They did exactly what Derek said they would do the other day. They got two guards. They're going to dribble drive, and they're going to kind of float it up there mid-range, and they're going to try to draw some fouls, and that's their offense. And that's what they did last night. And uh, that 13-point lead dissipated quickly. I, I know I texted y'all. I, one of the things that Coach Paris has openly said is, hey, I try to let these guys work through it. Maybe there's some, you know, maybe at times he probably does need to, I mean, if you ask me in my very uneducated basketball <laughs> opinion, I would say mm-hmm. that there are probably some times he's gonna he he needs to call timeout and and let's just get this train back on the tracks here as as opposed to letting them try to work through it. Um, and in the tournament, you'll probably want to do that because if you lose, it's over. But at the end of the day, they're twenty three and five, and there ain't a damn soul who's watching this show or hosting this show or listening to this show. They could coach this team to 23 and five. So it's very difficult uh, for me to sit here and second guess anything that they really do because I just said it that they're 23 and five and they're six and two on the road in the SEC. It's, it's, it's just been a magical, magical run for this program. And now you've got the, the Gators and the Vols coming to town, top 20 matchups. I mean, this is what you want. When you play college basketball, this is where you want to be. You're going into March with a chance to win the regular season championship, guys. You're going – you hear that? Tomorrow's March in South Carolina. By the end of next week, could be crowned regular season champions. I don't know if it'll happen, but we get to talk about that. That is really cool. It's special. Yeah, and and the the, the net is driving me insane today because (laughs) – the so Mississippi State – goes down at the buzzer to Kentucky and goes from 30th to 31st. So that's no longer a quad one win at home. Uh, uh, Texas A&M is still quad one, but Ole Miss goes from 75 to 77. Not a quad one anymore. And so Carolina is still sitting on three quad one wins. And, of course, Virginia Tech and Grand Canyon are right there. And, uh, and they're, you know, I don't, so it's driving me insane, but it does it look really like it doesn't matter. They had five yeah. last night after that win, but now that it's yeah. adjusted, yeah. it really I doesn't mean, matter. It's right there. Well, look, and I'll say this Lenardi, that's what you got to look out for because that's a sourced guy. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't get the matchups correct. He doesn't get the, the, the sites always correct, but he does get who's in and out. Correct. I mean, he's batting about nine ninety one on it. And, and, and seeding as well. So as long as he has Carolina at a six and moving up, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And the net, you know, if, if they continue to win, obviously the net will improve. I just looking at it, it just, it seems like because of efficiency or maybe strength of schedule or something, there is a kind of a net ceiling for the Gamecocks. Um, but that's okay. Maybe it keeps them from being a one if they went out, but uh, uh, I would hate that. But um you know, it just, uh, it's frustrating a bit, but like I said, you know, keep your faith in Lenardi because that's, if there's something wrong and, and he's dropping you to first four out or something like that, or dropping your seating, he's going to know he's going to report it. So, um, I guess it's not a big deal. Like you said, no doubt. Yeah. It's really not that big of a deal. Uh, there, every win 
the way that I see this right now, not every I'd say every win and a half, 1.5 wins. That's impossible, but if you can wrap your head around it, about every 1.5 wins, if they keep winning, probably moves them up another seed. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So if they win these yeah. next three, they go into the SEC tournament, certainly a top four seed in the league, more than likely a top two or three seed in the league, and they're probably on the four four line going I, into I, that, and they could play their way higher. Yeah, cause, and especially if they if they win, like say, all right, so Bama drops another game to, you know, it works out to where they win it. I can't see a, a team that shares for the the title of you know one of the two best leagues in the country dropping below a four. In fact, uh, it makes sense to me for them to be a three. But like I said, strength of strength of schedule is weighed down. You want somebody to blame for the schedule? <laughs> blame uh, Notre Dame, Winthrop, and then that good George Washington team we all thought had a shot. You know, Derek yeah, all of us talked about yeah. it. How good they were. Yeah, oh, yeah they're three and thirteen in the Atlantic yeah. Ten. <laughs> so yeah. they didn't. Oh, they didn't take care of business. Uh, and, and things. <laughs> Uh, DePaul is one of the worst teams in the country. I mean, it's yeah. uh, and, and that's stuff the game guys can't help. I mean, you you schedule a DePaul or a George Washington or a, you know uh, whoever uh, Virginia Tech, whoever you ex- you don't you're not scheduling them going. Oh, they'll have, they'll have well, this big down year, right? And these, so, these last two Grand Canyon games have 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 butchered it a little bit too. They've got back to back losses on the road at Tarleton State and Abilene Christian by a total of nine points. So. What's the- What's the clapper thinking, man? You know, they they got to they got to get back on the get back on the grind out there. Um, although Tarleton State's pretty good, but uh, Abilene Christian they're not. No. So that's a bad loss for cool. them. But all right, uh, we uh, do need to step aside. Alan Pierce is up next. You're going to love this conversation. Uh, a lot of what is going on right now with Gamecock hoops will be wrapped right into it. Grace and Griner's ahead. We've got the best series in college baseball on deck literally hopefully too uh weather permitting tomorrow and we have a new wide receivers coach at the university of south carolina as well we'll fill you in on all of that don't go anywhere built by the barn co inside the game cox the show will be right back i said oh lord jesus it's a fire ain't nobody got time for this disaster comes uninformed During and after natural disasters or accidents, there can be a heavy loss to property. Having your home or office destroyed or damaged by water, fire, smoke, or mold affects your personal and business lifestyle. Resto Pros of the Midlands is here to help. Open 24-7. Call them when you need them. 803-493-0170. Resto Pros of the Midlands. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Quality that is guaranteed. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company. 
where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Attention baseball and softball players. For virtual hitting lessons and evaluations, contact former baseball record holder and All-American Michael Campbell at 859-414-8240 or email soupsswingshop at gmail.com. Go Gamecocks. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Johnson with the crossover. Off the glass, it is. Three on the way. Good. Deep three for Johnson. Again, four tickets away, unless something's changed in the last five minutes or so, from a sold-out crowd being entertained at Colonial Life Arena coming up on Saturday at noon. That game televised nationally on ESPN and simulcast on the SEC Network. Gamecocks now 23-5. and Alan Piercy knows a little bit about Gamecock Athletics. He he has written an incredible book. I don't have a copy of it, but I'm going to get one because it's on Amazon, titled A Gamecock Odyssey, University of South Carolina Sports in the Independent Era, and it is full of stuff most of us probably didn't know about. And if you want to educate yourself, I would suggest purchasing this sucker uh, right now for $28 is the hardcover on uh, on Amazon Prime. But, Alan, it's a great day to have you here, my man, because last night they did what they just have been doing, which is – win so you can celebrate with the rest of the crowd how are you and thanks for your time uh, I'm, I'm doing great and, and appreciate you guys having me on can you hear me okay oh yeah great yes, that's awesome yeah mm-hmm. it, it was uh it was a fun game last night uh kind of nip and tuck there at the end but uh you know like you said they, they did what they've been doing all season and in six sec road wins uh that hasn't happened Crazy. in a long time Probably yes, it probably says '97. I would guess that '97 team got probably got that. I have to go back and check. Uh, Alan, this book is. Um, I guess I kind of started being knowing what football was in, in, in 1986. So my my kind of history with the Gamecocks goes from like '86, '87 basketball and '86 football forward. And my parents used to talk about getting out of the ACC and all that, and and it seems. 
that, that the leaving the ACC still seems like it was recent. Pe- people, I, I think, sometimes uh, don't realize they've been in the Southeastern Conference 32 years. They were only in the ACC for 18. Right. Uh, but going back to that time, that was, uh, and reading your book, it was kind of a monumental decision at a time when things were really cycling up facilities-wise and all that. I mean, so, so kind of take us into that, like, Yes, we all know everybody got mad at the ACC. We know about the the academic thing and the quote unquote the BS they tried to pull. But explain to our audience kind of like, you know, because because we've we've kind of been through a facilities upgrade the last 10, 15 years or so. But explain to us kind of what was going on back then facilities wise, building the Carolina Coliseum, uh, investing in football, that kind of thing, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, really at that point, th- this athletic department was kind of kind of set to launch it really was and, and so just going back to that time uh carolina had always sort of been uh you know a step sibling a stepsister in, in the acc but uh the powers that be decided to invest in athletics and, and they decided they wanted to compete and compete at a high level so they started bringing in names like frank mcguire and Paul Dietzel, and eventually Bobby Richardson on the baseball side. And so by 1970, you had those three guys in place. Uh, they were also investing from standpoint of athletics facilities. You mentioned Carolina Coliseum. You know, they had been in 3,200-seat uh, Carolina Fieldhouse since 1927, but uh, 68, they get into the Coliseum and it's, it's the top facility and really all of college basketball, the largest facility in the Southeast at that time until the Omni was built in Atlanta. Um, they, uh, they added the upper West deck in 71 uh, to Williams Bryce and, and they built the baseball facility, which eventually became uh Sarge Fry field. So, uh, you know, add to that, you know, they started seeing success on the field. They upgraded recruiting uh, these coaches, these big name coaches with national championship resumes were bringing in top flight recruits when they could. Uh, there were some some situations where they couldn't because of the academic standards in the ACC. And, and that's part of what led to our departure. But um, Carolina won an ACC championship in football in 1969. They uh, they went undefeated in, in the ACC regular season in 1970 one of only three ACC teams at the time to have ever gone through a regular season undefeated. And then they won the ACC tournament in 71. So uh, right at the moment, Carolina uh, left the ACC. That was sort of the, they were at their peak of competitiveness. They had the best facilities in the ACC. And uh, and that didn't sit well with uh, the, AC, the other ACC schools, particularly the North Carolina schools. Yeah. How, how big, you know, it was North Carolina and Duke. Um, and that conference certainly has had its struggles through the years. I, 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 I think North Carolina would probably leave if they could <laughs> right now, but, uh, how much of a factor is, cause this is, this is one of those things that Gamecock fans talk about. Clemson was supposed to go and leave with Carolina and didn't, can you clarify that? Cause I'm sure in your research, you, 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 you dug into this. So what, what was the real story behind Clemson remaining in South Carolina, uh, going ahead and departing? Yeah, you know, I, I have done a lot of research, a lot of reading um, through university archives and, and old newspaper reports, and, and I didn't find anything 
that indicated that there was any sort of a pact between Clemson and South Carolina to leave together. They were definitely allies. Um, you know, politics makes strange bedfellows. Uh, South Carolina and Clemson were in lockstep trying to get the ACC's um, 800 SAT admission standard overturned. The NCAA had a, a less stringent admission standards. It was a 1.6 GPA predictive model, which was essentially a, a C minus. And, uh, and so anyway, uh, the schools that we were competing against were really the SEC schools. South Carolina, our recruiting footprint overlapped with SEC schools more so than, than any of the ACC schools with the exception of maybe Clemson. And so anyway, uh, we were allies in that effort to, to get that overturned and to use the NCAA's model. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't find any evidence that there was any sort of a pact or anything like that. Ultimately, Carolina decided to, to go their direction. Clemson decided to stay in, you know, for a long time, uh, for decades, it looked like Clemson made probably the better decision. Uh, but from the standpoint of uh, 2024, uh, <laughs> it looked better for us. Oh yeah, it's 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 game changing, and I think uh, allows Carolina athletics to compete at the highest level because it is the best conference. But okay, so Georgia Tech joins the league. Um, and I got a couple things during this period, uh, kind of in the early '80s when the ACC expanded. How close is South Carolina to being invited back? Because that's another one of those old oh. Carolina tried to go back and they wouldn't take him, or somebody yeah. held it up. I mean, what, what what was the story there? It was a lot of back and forth. So um, this is what was interesting. So we left the ACC in June, June 30th, 71. Mm -hmm. And th there was really no plan for what came next. Um, you know, I think a lot of people just maybe assumed that it was, it'd be a temporary separation and we eventually get back in, but, you know, things have a way of taking on momentum and uh, uh, you know, there were, there were also a lot of burnt bridges, a lot of harsh feelings, bad feelings towards South Carolina and the, and the ACC. So uh, there were efforts, um, you know, sort of behind the scenes uh, from Frank McGuire's standpoint, some members of the board of trustees. I think there was a realization that we had made a mistake in some circles. And so there were back channel communications between South Carolina and, and the ACC commissioner, Robert James. Um, and talks about getting back in. And I, I think it was very serious. It got very serious. Um, the ACC by late 70s had decided that they were going to expand from seven back to eight. Um, and South Carolina was right there in the mix. Um, ultimately, of course, they ended up going with Georgia Tech. Tech came in in 78, Tech being a former SEC member. But uh, it, by 78, by, you know, mid-70s, late-70s, you had Jim Carlin on the scene. He was our head football coach, and he was also our athletics director, like Paul Dietzel was before before him. So uh, when Carlin came in, he was initially in favor of South Carolina getting back in the ACC. He said, you know, we're essentially playing an ACC schedule. We play these guys every year, but mm -hmm. we're not competing for an ACC championship. That's not a good thing. But he eventually changed it about that he um you know wanted to keep all those football proceeds for himself for for, for ourselves and um and so uh, there started to be sort of a faction amongst the board of trustees members and and faculty and you know they were split into 
pro Carlin, anti-ACC factions and pro McGuire, uh, you know, uh, pro ACC <laughs> factions. It, it, it just got to be kind of a spectacle after a while. And it, the other piece of it is we, we had three athletics directors at one point. Um, we, we had an AD over essentially non-revenue sports. We had Carlin who was over football. Uh, and we had McGuire, who was over basketball, and and the ACC, I think, just decided that uh, between kind of the the lingering angst over our uh, departure in '71 and and some of the instability around our athletics administration, they ultimately ended up going with Georgia Tech. So, all right, so Florida State, and and, and you know, moving forward to '92, it had Florida, and people people need to realize too during that time it, for football. You know, that was kind of, a, I mean, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Pitt, Boston College, Miami, Florida State. Uh, there were a ton of really good programs, Notre Dame, obviously, that were independents back then. It wasn't uh, now, if you're, unless you're Notre Dame, you know, you need to get in the league and hopefully yeah. they will soon. But um, so, so fast forward, Florida State, Bobby Bowden tells the story. They turned down the SEC, allegedly. And because they they didn't want any part of the competing, let's say Florida State took that. Let's say Texas had taken it back then. Arkansas and, and Carolina did not get the invite. Do you think South Carolina would have gone back to the ACC at that point when they expanded, uh, uh, took Florida State, added Virginia Tech, and all those? It's a really interesting question, and and you know I guess we'll never know. I I, I think South Carolina would have landed. Somewhere, certainly, you know, we very well could have ended up in, in a West Virginia type of a setup where, you know, if, if we didn't get to the ACC, we, we might have been, you know, looking at the Big 12, just sort of a, any port in a storm sort of a situation. You know, thankfully, it didn't work out that way. You go back to summer of 1990 and the ACC had decided they were going to expand to nine. Uh, the SEC decided they were going to expand from 10 to 12. And um, the SEC was considering South Carolina. Um, well, they already invited Arkansas. So for the 12th member, they were considering South Carolina, Florida State, and, and Miami. The ACC was really just targeting Florida State. Um, ultimately, Florida State chose the ACC. Uh, Miami chose the Big East. And, and so uh, almost by default, although I think we had a lot going for us, um, you know, we landed in the SEC as the 12th member. How much did Vince Dooley have to do with that? Because uh, that, that's another old legend about uh, yeah. the, the Georgia guy. Because they played Carolina every year, and he's familiar, and he they said he really was an ally. Oh, I think so. Um, Dick Bestwick was, for a short time, our athletics director. Um, before, let's see. It would have been after uh, – well, it would have been before King Dixon. So uh, he had been an associate AD at Georgia. So he had those Georgia ties. He was close with Coach Dooley. And uh, to your point, you know, we, we played Georgia every single season um, long before we got into the SEC. So Coach Dooley had a comfort level with South Carolina, with the city of Columbia. He knew we would be a great fit in the SEC. So I think he lobbied uh, pretty hard behind the scenes on our behalf. And I, he had a lot of power, a lot of influence within the SEC at the time. Yeah. I've got I got a couple of things here. So 
we've got, by the way, some some quick breaking news. Uh, Shane Beamer will be day one this year at SEC Media Days uh, with, alongside Brian Kelly, Lane Kiffin, and Vanderbilt's Clark Lee. That just in literally one minute ago. Um, fast forward to now. I don't want because I, I definitely don't want you to give away too much with the book. And I'll, I'm going to give some, everybody some information in just a minute on where they can actually meet you. And it's yeah. at a very familiar face, uh, place coming up this weekend, as long as nothing's changed there, Alan. Yeah. Um, but um, here we are in 2024. I know you hear it because you live in Raleigh, right? I do. Yeah, I've been here since That's- 2010. Yeah, so you're in the thick of it. You hear what's going on. You know, you hear the whispers and the rumors and the chirping with the ACC and maybe what the future of the ACC might look like. There's been conversation the SEC and the Big Ten could turn into mega conferences, and if so, a lot of those ACC members would probably float their way into the Southeastern Conference, which would renew some rivalries for the Gamecocks on an annual basis. I'm just curious – you know, number one, your thoughts on that, but but also like when this split happened fifty four three years ago, I, I think if my math is correct, do you think that any of them at any point in time while this was going on would have ever thought ah, in about fifty years it'll all be good, we'll all be back joined at the hip again and competing week in and week out because it doesn't seem that way. No, no, I mean. You know, I think there's a possibility. Who knows how things are going to shake out? But uh, one of the things I speculated on in the book is that who knows? Uh, you know, we might be back where we were in the Southern Conference before the uh, before the SEC and the ACC split off. You know, when when most of those teams were joined together in, in the Southern Conference. So, uh, you know, history is kind of strange that way. How things kind of uh, come come around again, but. Uh, you know, for me personally, it would. I'm really hoping one of these uh, North Carolina schools uh, end up in the SEC. I would love it if NC State somehow found their way there. I, I think State is a, a really a great fit culture-wise. Uh, they're more of a football-first school than than uh, UNC. Uh, I think UNC is the more prestigious brand, and and uh, they're the state institution, and that, that tends to be what uh, the SEC uh, targets, and so. Yeah. Um, you know, I think either the Big Ten or the SEC would love to have UNC and, and Virginia, for that matter. I think both conferences are going to want a piece of those states. Uh, they're the seventh and 11th largest markets in the country population wise. So, uh, you know, I, I think both conferences are going to want to expand in that direction. How it shakes out, I you know, who knows? I think UNC and Virginia are actually pretty good fits for the Big Ten. Given their their academic um, you know prestige and that sort of aligns with uh, you know the Big Ten and, and what they look for, but uh, I, I think also from just from a, ge- a geographic perspective, I think they'd be great fits in in the SEC as well. I've got mixed feelings about that. You know, uh, it, it will give me an opportunity to see my Gamecocks a little bit more often, which I, I love, but it, it also means that we wouldn't be the the northernmost school uh sec school at that point and, and so that might you know that that could impact recruiting and delmarva uh, you know who knows how that might shake out but something's going to happen with the north carolina and virginia schools um i have my own personal preferences about how what that would look like but uh we shall see and i don't think it's going to be all that long you hear that jc that's a recruiting nugget for you when we have those conversations in the summer. 
<laughs> if if you bring those guys in, it, it, it does it does it cut off the pipeline because you can't sell that anymore? Hey, look, it's just a quick trip up ninety five after you sit through thirteen hours of traffic. Can't yeah, sell that I, anymore. <laughs> I think they'll also. It depends. I mean, uh, I'd like to see South Carolina in a division again with uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, North Carolina State. Uh, Georgia Tech and Clemson. That would be awesome. Ooh. So, uh, be you know, it'd be, it'd be the road would run through the Palmetto State in football. Uh, so it would depend on it. Depend on it. To me, it depends on who is it. How are they going to divide it up? Uh, it, it, as far as recruiting goes, you know, it is a sell, SEC is a big selling point. But it, if it ends up being two conferences, like we just have two conferences. I think just membership in those conferences alone are going to be pretty standard and maybe negate, will negate any advantage the conference plays since both are, you know, it's either AFC or NFC, right? <laughs> At that point. Yes. Um, yes. So, so one more thing uh, before we go, uh, Bill Foster, I, I, that was always an interesting thing. Cause I look back and I go, what if they would have just promoted Bobby Crimmins or hired Bobby Crimmins? Yeah. Uh, I, I thought they should have hired Bobby Crimmins even when they hired Dave Odom, to be honest with you, I've, I've always, it's always kind of been sad. He was never really the coach here, but for a couple of days, um, but you know, and you look back and Bill Foster didn't do much, but man, d- explain who Bill Foster was. Cause I mean, like final four, at, he was the coach at Duke and uh, tell, tell the audience like why they hired him uh, and his pedigree coming in. Bill Foster was, uh, really a great hire on paper. Um, super reputation. He, I think, he was the president of the coaches association. He was, he was known as a, a builder of programs. Uh, he started at um, uh, Elizabethton College, I believe. Uh, went on to Rutgers, went on to Utah, and then Duke, and built all those programs into NCAA tournament caliber programs. Duke, when he came along at Duke, it was in the post. Vic Bubba's era and Duke was not doing well. Uh, they, they were kind of at a, at a low point. It's hard to imagine that now, uh, you know, from the perspective of 2024 and all the success they've had, but they, they, the program was kind of floundering when Foster got there and he built them into uh, a national championship contender, took them to the national championship. Uh, in 1978, they lost to Kentucky in that final. Uh, but then won a couple of ACC championships after that. And so uh, he was really a home run hire for South Carolina when Frank McGuire left in 1980. Um, you know, in hindsight, Bobby Cremens would have been a phenomenal hire, would have been such a great fit. He was a young, obviously a young guy at the time. He had been at Appalachian State for uh, two or three years. And then the following season, 81, ended up going to Georgia Tech. So he was really ready. He, I think Bobby ultimately wanted to be at an ACC school, which obviously by that time we, we were not. Uh, so I think he landed where he wanted to be. But, uh, man, if we could have coached him to come down to Columbia uh, in 1980, uh, and if he could have done some of the things that he did in, at Georgia Tech in Columbia, it would have been a great ride. And uh, uh, he, he still to this day has a lot of love for Columbia. He, I think he considers that episode in 93 – uh, you know, a sort of midlife crisis or whatever you want to call it. Mm. But uh, that, that was, uh, uh, you know, a lot of water under the bridge since then. Uh, he's still beloved by Carolina people, especially anybody old enough 
seen him play. But uh, yeah, Bill Foster had Carolina basketball really rolling by year three. Um, they went 22 and nine, I believe. Uh, it was tough for independent programs at that time. There was a real bias amongst mm -hmm. the uh, NCAA selection committee towards schools with conference affiliation. So Carolina had done enough to get into the NCAA tournament that season ultimately was left out. And, and that's what ultimately prompted us to get into the Metro, uh, the Metro conference, because we needed to be in an environment where we had a conference tournament and an opportunity for uh, uh, an automatic bid which we didn't have in 83. But uh, that season, Coach Foster had a major health scare. He had a heart attack. He missed uh, uh, over a dozen games. And he was just never the same after that. Um, he, uh, uh, that. That really took a lot out of him. And the, the program just never really uh, got back to the level it was in 83 moving forward. He coached for another three years in Columbia, ultimately ended up going to Northwestern. Uh, but things were just never quite the same with him in Columbia after that. A couple of things here. Uh, folks, if you would like to meet the author, Alan Piercy, March 2nd, which is Saturday, he will be in Colonial Life at the USC Bookstore merch booth uh, before the game. Uh, will you be there during the game or just before the game? I'll be there uh, before tip-off and, and then again at halftime, and then I'll, I'll be around for a little while after the game, too. And and then the same thing Sunday when the vault, the Lady Vols come to town as well to take on the game coach, correct, for the, for the right. women's side? We'll be there both days and, and hope to meet some folks and uh, and talk with some fellow Gamecock fans. always look forward to that. So if you're going to either or both games this weekend, uh, he, he will be there. And can they purchase a copy of your book in there? Yeah. Yeah, the, the bookstore okay. will have books there for purchase. So, um, you know, uh, come by, get a signed copy, chat with me. Look forward to uh, look forward to meeting some folks. And then also, if you won't be at the games this weekend, March 7th at Columbia's Barnes & Noble, uh, which is now at, on Garner's Ferry Road, 6090 uh, Garner, Garner's Ferry Road at the shops at Woodhill, uh, March 7th. He'll be signing books between 5 and 7 p.m. Uh, during their grand opening. And uh, and then on April the 11th, he'll be up in Spartanburg at Hub City Books from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, as well. This information is available. Write this down, folks, or type it in your phone or, or whatever. This is a neat website. This is Alan Piercy's website, South by Southeast, South by Southeast.substack.com. And what I we didn't get into much of this today, but I personally would like to have you back because you've got a bunch of really neat stories and, and columns on here. You can subscribe to a newsletter, which I've just done as well. Uh, some things that a lot of people probably would never even think about. You 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 go some different routes, and I think it's really unique. I personally would like to ask you one final question. Um, why, why do you think I mean, you're a historian of Gamecock athletics? I am too. My family is, I'm about to buy this book for my uncle. Awesome. Why do you think it's important for today's generation of South Carolina fans? And there's a lot of new ones, as you well know, coach Spurrier's era kind of ushered in a bunch of folks who came from the Northeast and, you know, they weren't around when we were right. JC, you know, they didn't see the things that we saw in the, in the eighties and the nineties or the seventies or the sixties or whatever era folks grew up in. We have enough history to be able to have good conversations and healthy conversations, but a lot of, a lot of folks have only been around for a decade or so. 
So I guess I'm, what I'm asking you is, is what is your pitch to that group? Why should they buy a book like this to educate themselves on what came before they did? Yeah, great question. And, and thanks for the, the plug on the website. I appreciate that. I finally found an outlet for all this useless knowledge in, in my head. But, uh, um, you know, I, I laugh about my, my nephews. Um, you know, that their first experiences with Carolina sports were during the, those glory years uh, under Spurrier. Uh, you know, all they knew of Gamecock sports at the time were 11 win football seasons, uh, you know, baseball national championships, women's basketball national championships. And I, you know, I told them, hey, guys, it hadn't always been like this. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think it's important to know where the program that you're pulling for came from and, and to understand how we got to where we're at, um, you know, you know, you mentioned earlier, we've been in the SEC for 32 years now, which is astounding to me. There are a lot of people out there who have no living memory of Carolina sports before that. But I just, you know, I, I do think it's important to understand, hey, we were a founding member of the ACC. Um, you know, we, we, we went through that wilderness period of 20 years. And even before that, you know, we were, we were a, a member of the Southern Conference and, and, and all the schools associated with us throughout the years and, and, and some, how some of these rivalries came to be. I, I don't think you can really be a fan in, in the truest sense unless you understand the history of some of these things. And so, uh, you know, I, I geek out on this stuff. I, I, I love uh, I love researching and, 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 um, and learning about it. That's one of the reasons that I wrote the book is that I always wanted to know more about uh, this era. I, I remember the 80s, I, I, the 70s. I was born in 72. So, um, you know, a lot of that was before I, I really uh, had any living memory. But so I, I just always wanted to know more about McGuire and his program and how Coach Richardson came to South Carolina and, and, and all those things. And so uh, to me, it's just it, it's a lot of fun. It 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 uh, it enhances the experience of, of, of pulling for the Gamecocks. And uh, so there's uh, there's a lot there. Uh, for folks that weren't there during this time to, to learn and to sort of get up to speed and, and have just a, a better understanding, not just of South Carolina, but of, you know, NCAA sports in, in general. You know, that this this book starts really on the on the heels of the civil rights era. Uh, you've got black athletes on scholarship for the first time. Uh, Title IX comes along during this period. You have uh, women's athletics going from club level to uh, varsity status. Media becomes big business. ESPN comes along during this during this time. So there's a lot happening sort of on the national stage that's all told through the lens of Gamecock athletics. And so uh, there, there's a lot there to, to sort of understand beyond beyond Gamecock athletics, too. Uh, I can't wait to, to check it out. Really excited about it. Really excited for you. Uh, uh, JC has told me about this thing. He was pumped to get you on. He's told all of us and uh, it, perfect timing. To have you here, this is this could be a great spring for South Carolina. And on that note, on that website I mentioned, uh, there is a uh, from October the eighteenth. Uh, there is a column that you wrote up there for the great Tommy Moody, a friend to all of us. Uh, and uh, this weekend, Tommy's fingerprints are going to be all over Gamecock baseball as they take care of the Clemson Tigers. I, I just read a little bit of that. It gave me the goosebumps. Um, so, you know, you're well-rounded and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy what you do if they haven't already. Can't, can't thank you enough for your time. Can, can we have you back? Would you, would you come back with us sometime? Anytime guys, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, love what you do with your show. 
so I, I, I'm a fan. So, yeah, absolutely, anytime. Hey, th thanks, Alan. Hey, Joel Thompson told me to tell you hello. That's how I got your number. Uh, and uh, John Whittle, I don't know if you know John or not, but he gave me your book for a Christmas present. So uh, if, if you know those two, give them a shout out and tell them, uh, tell them hey, thanks for getting JC on Team Allen. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it's a heck of a book, man. Brought back a lot of memories. Thanks, Jason. Hey, yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, I go hey. back a long way with Joel. But, yeah, very much appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, uh, big fan of your, your guys' show as well. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Yeah, man. I just bought it. So uh, it says it'll be here tomorrow. I'll see if I can't get it read before I hand it to my uncle on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, guys. Alan. Great stuff. What a what a neat book. A Gamecock Odyssey, University of South Carolina Sports in the Independent Era. You can purchase it on uh, Amazon. If that's a mouthful, just type in a Gamecock Odyssey. It'll come up. And uh, you can buy it digitally or you can buy the hardcover for less than $30 each. And um, it's, it appears to be well, well worth it. And uh, great, great job getting him lined up, JC and Phil. I think um, I'm a biggest – y'all know how I am. Oh, yeah. I think you're going to like – you'll like the book, JB. It's yeah. uh, It was a good read and uh, – it just kind of brings back, <clears throat> yeah. Marion says started watching Carolina basketball. Michael Foster, that yeah. was like George Felton's first team. Michael Foster right. was a senior. That's the first year I followed it. You know, as a kid. So, woohoo! It's always nice to go back in time. But those of you that only know the SEC and the eleven win seasons and stuff, who back in the back in our era, you know, we used to really struggle to beat Duke <laughs> and owning football, and you know. <laughs> We yeah, lost to yep. lost to teams like Cincinnati and baseball and stuff. I mean, it was yeah. <laughs> that was an interesting era to say the least. Yeah, there's uh, there's no doubt about that. You mentioned, um, or I'm sorry, uh, Marion mentioned uh, Joe Rett. Joe Rett is South Carolina's SEC legend. He will be recognized at the SEC men's basketball tournament coming up here in just a couple of weeks all right it's the end of the hour we need to uh slide to a time that was a great conversation with alan piercy uh and uh i know it was maybe a little bit interruptive of, of the celebration from last night but not really not really um that was that was neat to hear him talk about all those things and we're gonna have him back i gotta find a way to, we'll have to do some brainstorming off the air to see what we can do to continue to promote this website of his it is just full Got, uh, I put it in the link and all the descriptions here as we are live. I'll also include it in the podcast link when we drop that okay. later in the audio version today. So we'll definitely be promoting it. Uh, but it's also in the comments. So, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Give it a click. Mm -hmm. We will take a quick time out. Grayson Griner is up next. South Carolina and Clemson are set to. Tow it and throw it tomorrow night in college baseball, weather permitting. They will play this weekend. Then we're going to talk about all about that. And we'll get back into hoops and the new wide receiver, uh, wide receivers, coach hire, and so much more inside the Gamecocks. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. 
The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. It's the season of love, and there's no sweeter time and place to feel it than today at Love Chevrolet. The heart-pounding rumble of the Silverado High Country. The captivating 2024 Chevy Trax SUV, most affordable in its class. No matter what features you're looking for in a brand new Chevy, your match is waiting for you right now at Love Chevy. In this 63rd season of love, your trusted hometown Chevy dealer is proud to carry on the tradition of honesty, integrity, and treating customers like family. No fast talk, no gimmicks, no ridiculous add-on stickers. Simply the best selection of new Chevys at South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer right now and ready to drive home today. Don't forget about the $1,000 low price guarantee. Wow, there's a lot to love about Love Chevy. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Together, let's drive. That's the power of Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks.
Billy G's Carolina Barbecue at Founders Park, the barbecue of Gamecock baseball. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue.com is where you need to go to order your catering. What do you have? What's going on? What's coming up? You got your birthday, wedding. I've got a wedding coming up uh, uh, next Saturday, the, the 9th. Uh, but they're, they're, it's down here at Joe Rice's building. Um, so they can't make that. Let's see. Uh, graduation, JC. Graduation. Could do graduation. Um, we could bar mitzvahs. Uh, oh, yeah. parking lot parties if you have a neighborhood pool friday night baseball you know cut parties. the gamecocks on have a, have some catering pick up your catering and serve or just go to the game and just go down the right field line and eat it billy g's carolina barbecue.com order the sauce and order the rub at carolina barbecue sauce.com and have it delivered to your doorstep more on hoops and football in just a little bit I, I did see just a minute ago jan asked um any insight on the thinking of maybe two games on saturday one in the morning and then one in the afternoon i i would say that that is uh unlikely i i just i i don't want to i don't know what king's thinking right now but i i would say that that's unlikely let's just let's you know, read between the lines. First, first of all, the University of South Carolina, as y'all well know, does everything that they can to accommodate the fans. And 12 o'clock, you got Gamecock basketball. And I know that they don't want to interrupt that if they can avoid it. Um, so I don't know what the – I know I've heard about what a couple other scenarios are, but I'm not so sure what they're going to do. Um, so we'll just – We'll, we'll just have to find out later on today. But I'd say it's pretty unlikely to double dip. And as part of that conversation, we'll bring in one of the catchers we've ever seen in Columbia, South Carolina, Grayson Griner, who once hit a grand slam over the left field wall against that ugly orange team from the upstate. Uh, and Grayson would probably be one of the first ones to tell you that when you've got those cats, you, you really don't want to have to double dip. You start taxing pitching. you got a bunch of arms you got to use, 18 innings in one day. That's a lot, isn't it, dude? It is. It is. Thank you all again for having me uh, twice in one month, but um, kind of caught the tail end of y'all's conversation right there. Um, I mean, selfishly as a fan, my plan is to go to the game tomorrow night and then go to basketball at noon on Saturday and then hop over to Segura for baseball. So get three three games in 24 hours. So I'm, I'm hoping Mother Nature cooperates for, for the fans and for the players, but um, that would be with the emotions of this series – um, you know, having to wait an extra day and then play 18 innings in one day, it'd be tough. Uh, I don't know what the logistics of that looks like, uh, whether, cause I know, I know I wouldn't want to lose a home game and play two at Segra. You'd want that home game. So I don't know if you can play at noon, bus over and then play a night game. I don't, I don't know what it would look like, but hoping mother nature doesn't, uh, doesn't force us into that conversation. I know it's, it's not looking good, but no, it's uh... not. I, I mean, I, the way that I see it, they've got a couple of options here. If they get, if they have to bang it tomorrow, and I'd say it's likely they're banging it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, if they bang it tomorrow, Grayson, they're gonna. You got, you got, you got three options in my mind. One is you try that double dip Saturday. You play early at Founders, and then you play later. But then that's going to overlap the basketball game. I know Clemson could care less about that, right? Um, but but South Carolina does, and Coach Tanner wants to make sure that fans who have tickets to both can go to both. Um, and you don't, like you say, you don't want to lose the gate. So that's option one. Option two 
is to, and this has happened before in this series, kick it to Monday. But the problem is Carolina's got back-to-back mid- midweeks on Tuesday and Wednesday next week. I haven't looked at Clemson's. So then that puts King and his guys playing Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And and then – or you punt it down the road where you've got a light or no midweek schedule somewhere in April or May, and you don't really want to do that. But that happened for Clemson, I think, what was it, a year or two ago. They had to reschedule a trip up to the upstate. And, uh, and, and, and as a matter of fact, had that not happened, Carolina probably would have swept them that weekend, but they had to go up there and return that game. And Clemson ended up clipping them later in the year, yeah. so I don't. Th- those appear it, as it stands right now to be the three options. So I don't. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean that's that's why we pay Coach Tanner the big bucks to make these decisions. <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> basketball tips off at one. Basketball tips yeah. off at one or noon. Twelve. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. So even yeah. with a, like a ten thirty start, you're. Even yeah, in a quick game, you're not making it. Less than well, ideal right now. No, and you you ain't, Grayson, they ain't playing at 10.30 in the morning. You and I both know that. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't think they'll care. But uh, You no, baseball guys can get up early, man. Come on. No. Yeah, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't care. They it, just want to play. I promise. Heck, SEC yeah. tournament games start at, what, 10 a.m. these days? And, and well, they wouldn't. Be, at night, you know? They wouldn't. I don't think they'd do that anyways because if it's raining all night Friday, they're not going to get up and rush these kids on the field at 10.30 in the morning. I'm with you there. I I, kind of feel like we'll probably see a game later this season at Founders Park. That's kind of my guess as of now. So, yeah. Uh, Oh, well. So, do you ever think about the Grand Slam? Because y'all swept. That was 2014. That was 10 years ago, right? Was it 10 years ago? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Y'all swept them. 2014. Do you ever ever think about that Grand Slam when that ball, did you know it was gone or were you like, please get over the wall? Uh, I had a, I mean, I think I had a pretty good feeling. Um, I don't really think about it very, very often. I get, I've been sent the video a couple times this week on social media, which is always fun to see the old grainy videos from 2014. <laughs> Can't imagine, you know, it's hard thinking back then we thought we had some good technology and some good, and then you look at it in today's day and age and it's not even close. Uh, not the, even close. The digital content these kids get fed every day. Um, but it, I get it's a fun week because I get reminded of that uh, that moment. I kind of blacked out in the moment. Um, Did you got us right back in the game, and we ended up winning and sweeping that year. And it was a it was a, a fun weekend for for everybody involved. That was um, God. I can't believe it's been ten years ago. What did what what did Holbrook say to you after you hit that thing, or did he even say anything? I don't I don't remember. <laughs> you, you did. You it was it was a blackout, total yeah. blur. Of a moment. I have a terrible memory in general. Um, so I don't I don't really remember small snippets like that. So this series, man, I mean it it is and and I think our fans will uh, especially coming from you um or guys like guys like you you're you're one of a few out there who got to live the dream of growing up a fan going to these games as a kid, as a young buck, and then put, mm-hmm. putting that uniform on and going, wait a second, this actually – now I actually have to go out here and perform for all these people. And so so that they'll like that because you can speak to it from the fan side of things, but then also mm-hmm. from the player's side of things, Grayson. And when you look around the country – and we're college baseball nuts, right? You know, we, 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 we live and breathe this. I think it's the greatest thing on the planet. And – Ole Miss and Mississippi State, when they're really good, or when they're good, having good years, even when they're not having good years, it's a hostile, incredible rivalry. They hate each other over there. But 
it always matters when you're good because you're playing for something, especially being that being a league uh, game, league series. Mm-hmm. But there's just nothing that touches this, man. Three different ballparks in three days. Nobody likes each other. Even if you got friends on the other team, you don't like each other during that weekend. Yeah, it, walk it. Walk us down that road when you when you put that jersey on. It it's just different, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, just yeah, you're just kind of conditioned when you see, you know, the the white pants and the white cleats. You just it, it gets your blood boiling a little bit, and you just. I always we always kind of considered this weekend as is the start of the season. You know, not to disparage the first two weekends or the couple midweeks. Usually, those are kind of get right series or, or warm ups. Not warm up series, but you still want to you know focus every week, but. This weekend, you get one more weekend off, and then it's SEC. This is kind of the weekend where you you see what kind of year you're going to have. If you don't if you don't stack up with these guys, it could be a long year. And if you if you have a great series, it, it could catapult you to a great year. And uh, it's especially for local guys, guys that grew up in the state that know that there's no pro teams here. Uh, it each fan base lives and breathes with the with their three major sports and their and you know some other sports as well. But the three major sports, football, baseball, basketball, each university just lives and breathes uh season to season, year to year. And um it's uh it's a it's an I I think it's the best rivalry in college baseball. I don't know if it is. I haven't seen the other ones in person, but uh growing up watching, you know, Khalil Green go against Landon Powell. I mean, there's just some of the best college baseball players in the history of the sport that have played in this rivalry and it's uh it's cool to watch now as a fan and it was uh it was awesome to get to play in it well let's let me correct you a little bit really it was khalil versus drew and khalil was khalil hit 483 that year and he 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 consensus national player of the year and drew put him in his place in the college world series uh when when gamecocks uh you know embarrassed them to be frank about it up in omaha for for those couple of games but I get your point. Landon, yeah, yeah. too. That was eight at the time. You'll have to forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and, and I think one of the other things that I we're gonna have we're gonna have fun with this, you know, th- this today and tomorrow as we look at this thing. We got Coach Lake and guys tomorrow too. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, one of the things that that I, as a fan, I try to be a professional in what we do here. This isn't going to be very professional. I love the fact that South Carolina, by way of the College of Charleston, lent Monty to the upstate. I joke with him about this. We lent you to the upstate, okay? And now you're back to tear their hearts out. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, just just jab that thing in there. Uh, no, Monty's such a pro. He'd never say anything bad about Clemson. But one of the things, Grayson, back in the day that – was a big Jack Leggett thing. He recruited real heavily from the Northeast, mm-hmm. big time. He was now now he signed in state guys. Don't get me wrong, but he signed out of state guys. That's how they built that program. And and Eric Backage being there, very similar, doing the same thing. Gamecocks, especially since since Coach Tanner showed up, they put that they put that fence around, and the large majority, I would say, right, the large majority of talented baseball players in this state for over 25 years have signed to play at the University of South Carolina. So I've just – I'm not saying that Clemson doesn't win. They do. They they win a lot of – this is a very balanced series. But this particular one this year, when you look at the guys who are going to step on the field, there's a lot of dudes from the upstate that have no idea what it's going to be like when they step on that field. And the guys in the garnet, they get it. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can put a, you can't really quantify, you know, that feeling you have for, if you're an in-state guy playing in this game. Whereas if you're a guy that's coming from, I don't know, Illinois or Tennessee, this, this might just, I mean, they can tell you, Hey, this is a big rivalry, but you don't really, you didn't see it growing up. You didn't hear about it, see it on TV, you know, hear it on the radio. So this, this might be just another series for, for a guy like that. I don't know the composition of Clemson's roster versus Carolina's roster as far as that, but you're right. Most, I'd say, I would assume or guess more than half of Carolina's roster is in-state guys. And that's like you said, kind of how we've built our program. And uh, I would say historically we're the better baseball program. I mean, I don't know the, the record head to head, but I know we have the, the titles and we have the Omaha appearances and all that. So um, guys that grew up in the state, I think Carolina becomes, you know, number one, Clemson comes number two. So six, six times Gamecocks have played Clemson uh, in the NCAA tournament, including Ford Omaha since O2. Gamecocks have not lost a single game. And Carolina has played for a national championship six times as well. Yeah, uh, they're, they're two and one two in those appearances. And one yeah, two, of course. Clemson's yeah. never been to the final. No, they they had a chance to get to the finals a couple but, times. Uh, oh, and oh two, yeah, I remember U- USA <laughs> then, today. Again, then again in in 2010 too. Yeah, I'll never get USA Today. Back when the newspapers were still around, I'd always buy a newspaper. USA Today had a cutout photo, beautiful photo of Khalil Green on its front page. Clemson closing in on national title with Player of the Year Green. <laughs> Next thing you know, twelve to four and ten to two and it was all over. The ultimate. Oh, I, I was kind of a, a masochist back then. I was living, I was working in Seneca, living in Greenville. So I was in my car going to actually go to work that, that Sunday night. And uh, Jim Phillips was calling it for Clemson. And I remember it got, it got to be like seven, eight to one late. And Carolina scored another run. And Phillips was like, can we go home now? <laughs> can we just leave? <laughs> and I just laughed. Anyway. I, I, you know, I couldn't get Mike Morgan because, you know, he was obviously, I was obviously in imminent enemy territory, but I'll never forget Jim Phillips just going, just being I say, I've, I've taught the guys that have some older guys that like in pro ball and in college that played against Khalil Green and said that guy was like, oh, he's like a myth. They're like, this is the best ball, baseball player I've ever seen. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was, it was really kind of strange too because that, 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 those two, three, four hitters in that lineup, uh, um, Baker. And Michael Johnson Green and uh, the first baseman, I forget his name. Yeah, Michael Johnson from Georgetown. Because right. yep. you you, put, you played um, you played at the IP when you were in high school, right? Did you mm-hmm. play in the IP? Yep. And you know that's his that ballpark is named after his dad. Yeah. Um, and um, that's an interesting place, isn't it? it it's hard. It's like easier to hit it up in the field. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, we took BP up there. I was like, wait a second. You mean to tell me if I just hit it two hundred eighty feet dead yeah. center field, ball's going to leave the yard? But if I hit it to left field 280, it's going to be a can of corn. Yep. This doesn't make any it's sense. It's a me. weird ballpark. And it smells. Um, and it, it does smell, yeah. Um, but, you know, there was like those three guys combined for like 90 home runs that year. Yeah. I mean, it was it was nuts what was yeah. going on. And I don't know who told you that. I mean, I never played against Khalil. I, I actually, his sister, his sister played softball at Spartan Methodist. Um, about I think a year two two years after Khalil's final year at Clemson, but um and I met him he, he was he's a little different he's yeah. a California guy there's no doubt about that but um man he made it look easy Grayson yeah. 
Like oh, yeah. one of those. I kind of remember watching. I remember he was good. Yeah. You know, like you can't hit 500 in college baseball. Like that's not a, supposed to be allowed. And it didn't matter what count was. It didn't matter what you threw. It, it, I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. Um, and he was smooth out there. Sure. There's a reason he played in the big leagues. Did yeah. you, do you have a close friend or a, a uh, like a, a best friend or anything that played at Clemson? Did you ever have anybody close at one? My best, my best friend since I was born, he's my cousin, is like the biggest Clemson fan I know. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't play, play there. there. He didn't. He played baseball at uh, played at USC Lancaster, and then he ended up his career at UNC Asheville. Uh, good play. Played at Hammond. Played second base. Um, mm-hmm. But he's been my best friend. I mean, we're like that. We do a lot together. But um, he's like a huge Clemson fan. So we've we've had our battles over the days. But no, he did not play there. I've played against. Uh, in pro ball, I ended up playing against a lot of those guys, Steven Duggar, Tyler Krieger, Daniel Gossett. Um, they're all nice guys. Like you said, I mean, I don't harvest any bad feelings against any of them, but that weekend, you know, we hated them. We wanted to beat them. Um, I mean, I golf with those guys when they came into town in pro ball and they're all, they're all great guys. It's just, uh, you know, that rivalry comes and it's, you know, you don't even, you don't even see them as people. No, you don't. And that's that's why I asked you. Because, like, did anybody ever talk trash to you? I mean, you're such a nice guy. I can't imagine somebody talked trash. But in this rivalry, I wouldn't doubt it. Did you ever get it? Uh, ever, ever chew you out for anything? Uh, only thing I kind of remember is uh, my junior year when we – the last game at Clemson when we swept them. Uh, their pitcher, Schmidt, Clark Schmidt's brother, pitched for Clemson. Clayton. Yeah, Clay, and he actually got drafted by the Tigers, and I got to know him a little bit. But he fist pumped on us like in the seventh or eighth inning when they were up, and then we we came back, and uh, there was a play at the plate. I should have been thrown out by like ten steps, and the catcher dropped it. Oki dropped it, and I got I got to know Oki pretty well too. Awesome guy, but he dropped it, and we all started jawing at Schmidt because he had fist pumped on us the prior inning, and we that was the run to take the lead, and we jawed a little bit back and forth, ended up sweeping the series. Um, I remember that game, that same year, the game at Floor Field. Some yeah. there was some scuffle over at third base between Elliot Caldwell and their third baseman. I remember Marcus Mooney got involved there. I mean, there was a couple scuffles that year, but as far as personal smack talking, I don't I don't recall any really. Yeah, I, I was wondering because I know I remember in '08 when Smoke hit the ball off of Matt Vaughn that. Matter of fact, I think it was what is this twenty twenty four? I think it was about a year or two. We found out finally that ball actually did land <laughs> um, somewhere on the other side of that lake up there. But you know, Smokey and, and Matt are best friends, and oh, wow. uh, yeah, I mean, like we were all in his wedding together, and wow. we oh god, we ate Matt's lunch over this deal. Yeah, that's about forever. as good as it gets right there. But it was. Do you, I don't know if you remember. I mean, you were obviously not in South Carolina yet. You're what maybe four years from getting there, three years, four years, I think, from getting there. Um, and um, and Vaughn had um, Vaughn had he had Justin down. I think it was a one-two count, but he 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 threw kind of a kind. Of, it was a slider. It was supposed to be a slider, mm-hmm. and it and it. And it almost hit smoke in the kneecaps. Was and righty or lefty? He was, it, he was hitting lefty. Hit? He was hitting lefty. Right. Yep. And he and he got all pissed off about this. It was like, you know, I, I was there and I'm sitting here yeah. laughing because I'm like, dude, he's not trying to hit you with a slider with a one count. <laughs> yeah. You know, like exactly. that's not what if you just that lost it a little bit. 
So yeah. Justin backs out of the box and he just stared him down and 6,000 Clemson fans are yelling at Smoke to get back in the box. And the next pitch, he hit over the trees. Country mile. <laughs> oh, I love watching Smoke, man. Um, and, you know, the whole way around, of course, he's chirping at him as he rounds the base. Bond didn't say a word. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's neat to, because a lot of people don't, I don't think, realize that you guys – there are relationships on either side, but yeah, those dissolve yeah, I mean, I in three days. I don't I hate anybody in the world. <laughs> it's just yeah. when you play them, you, you might not like them for those three days. <laughs> yeah, and they might be the nicest person. You know, might become a buddy down the line. You don't know, but you know, you know, they're not your buddy that weekend. Right. And I'm sure that's right. the case with you know with summer ball, college summer ball. You play with guys from other colleges, or you played with them in high school, and you can be friends 362 days a year. It's just not those three. Not those three. 363, I guess, this year. Happy Leap Day. I forgot it's Leap Day. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Today's We've got day. you. Yeah. So we'll remember this forever. Grayson was on a day that doesn't exist. Um, what do you think about this this club? And and start with Cole. I know he's he's struggling a little bit at the, at the plate, but I, I really attribute more of that to the fact he's just not seeing much to hit, him and Petri both. I mean, this team's been walked like 100 times in eight games, dude. I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy. Their approach I – know, I know their approach kind of you know favors that, but but those are big boppers. They're going to hit. When they when they start seeing teams like Clemson and the SEC, they're going to get pitches to hit, and I think they'll turn them around. But, you know, what, what have you seen out of this group this year over the first couple of weeks of the season, starting with that cat? Yeah, kind of what you said. Uh, I think the approach is phenomenal. You know, it doesn't look like in years past we've seen seen guys chase a little bit early, maybe put some pressure on themselves. I, I did it myself. A lot of guys put pressure on yourself early because you have you've set high personal expectations. You've you've set high team expectations. This team, I mean, it's early, small sample size, but it looks like they're kind of playing with an even, steady heartbeat. They're letting the game come to them. They're not chasing very much, and when they're getting pitches in the zone, they're they're doing damage and. Um, the, the level of competition is about to ratchet up significantly. Um, and, but I also think that's going to bring out the best in, in all those guys. Cole's, Cole looks like he kind of looked last year doing damage on, on pitches he should and, and being patient and not chasing too much. Uh, I haven't got to watch a ton. I'm excited to go this weekend and kind of see it in person. Um, I've been listening to Coach Lake on my drive homes on the midweek games, tell him he's doing an amazing job. I love Coach Lake. I do um, too. But uh, it, once I once I start going on weekends and, and starting to watch some of these SEC t- series on TV, I'll get a little bit better pulse of it. But I would put our, I'm assuming Petri and Messina are hitting three four right in the order. I would put our three four up against anybody's in the country. I mean, there's a lot of good baseball players out there. They're they're going to be first round picks, but I would I would take our three four uh, up against anybody. And I think it starts with those guys. You know, it's kind of a cardinal rule you know for, for me as a catcher when I was calling pitches in pro ball I would kind of identify that one guy on the other team and say let's not let this guy beat us <laughs> so I think we have two of those guys which is a good thing boy we got that right they're they're dangerous and I uh and uh, hope in the chat box here uh, our our sweet hope she's like our team mom hope <laughs> keeps everybody straight she's in here every day of the 15 20,000 people that are watching listen to this show every day she's the one that somehow keeps it all in line we appreciate her um king he 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 said it i mean i had talked to him but uh told him i wouldn't say anything until he was asked publicly about it uh yeah they won't be playing a doubleheader just so everybody's aware so it's if they get banged tomorrow you can probably count on the fact this game's coming back to founders 
later on in the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I no, I'm with you, and <clears throat> I think the things that is always so interesting about uh, college baseball, Grayson, and and it's hard for fans to grasp it, and I understand that it, it makes total sense, but you don't really know who you are generally uh, through the first couple of weeks of the year, and you're trying to figure out roles, bullpen roles, and guys where, where they're getting the lineup. Some guys scuffle a little bit when you didn't think they would. Some guys you plug them in there like Kennedy Jones and. You know, he, he struggled in the preseason. He gets out there and bops him around, and you're like, kind of like Petri did last year. Mm-hmm. Remember that, guys? Yeah. Uh, JC was joking with King about that on our show a couple weeks ago. You didn't even have Petri in the lineup for the first two games last year. He ended up hitting 375 with 23 home runs. Yeah, imagine, imagine if he came in late that third or fourth game and struck out a couple times and didn't get another opportunity. You never know. <laughs> game's, <laughs> game's crazy yeah, for you know, timing and opportunities right. you get. But isn't that isn't it kind of where we are? Like we're kind of in that that little era area here where this team's kind of kind of starting to get some answers. Uh, it seems like it. I mean, I like Coach Kingston, uh, from just from a bird's eye view, doesn't seem to tinker a whole lot with starting lineups. It looks like he kind of gets his guys and rides them, which is, you know, it's a good thing if if those guys stay healthy and they're they're producing. You know, they get consistent at bats. They get used to playing with each other in the field. You know, pitchers get used to throwing to the same guy. It's a consistency is a really good thing in this game. This is not a game where you, where you want, you know, four or five days off without seeing live pitching and then you got to go in there and produce. So uh, it seems like we're kind of getting to, you know, we're a couple weeks away from SEC play and we got Clemson this weekend. So it's, uh, it's kind of go time and uh, it seems like everybody's, you know, got their at bats under them, got their innings under them and it's, it's time to compete. You know, they're, they're ready to compete. Well, you got any predictions or? I'll always predict a sweep. sweep. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you on for football. I predict we beat Georgia. I, predict, I mean, I always predict what? the win. Come on. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So how, how about this one? How about, I know you've got to go. I know you got a meeting coming up in just a little bit. Do you have two mm-hmm. minutes left or do you need yeah, to get yeah, off? Yeah. I, I'll, oh. I'll start setting up here in a little bit. Okay. Well, could, do you want to go ahead and predict an SEC regular season title for the Hoops team? Because I know you're one of their biggest fans right now. What's the What's the scenario that that needs to happen? All right, when I, it's not you very want, many. Yeah, no, it's 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 really actually I, I think pretty simple. So there last are game week back. I saw it last week. It was we went out and Bama loses one more game. Is that still the case? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right, and Bama Tennessee play this week. Carolina needs to win out. They got Florida, Tennessee at home. They get then they go to Starkville, so they need to win out. All right, if they win out, they finish fourteen and four. We need Tennessee to go into Tuscaloosa this weekend and knock off the Tide. Yep. And uh, if they if they do that, that drops Bama to twelve and four, but it improves Tennessee to thirteen and three, and they'd be a game up on the Gamecocks. Yeah. Yeah. Then they walk into Colonial Life Arena. Carolina takes care of that. Yeah. And then they've got the same record. Carolina swept them in the regular season. Yep. And then the Tide go to Florida. Gators take care of the Tide. Ball game. Yeah, I'm rooting for it. I, will, I won't go as far as predict it, but I'd certainly – I will say <laughs> Oh if, no, no. You if, Coach Paris, if Coach Paris doesn't win national coach of the year, I mean, I know he doesn't care about accolades or anything. He's got to be the national coach of the year. I mean, we were predicted dead last, and we're about to be – top five six seed in the, in the tournament so i mean it's yeah. just I, i'm such a big fan of him and you know what he what he stands for and how he's got these guys playing it's uh it's been a fun year now regardless of what happens it's gonna it's a year that i think a lot of 
the hundreds and thousands of Carolina fans are gonna are gonna remember, and it's gonna galvanize the fan base going forward to to stand behind those guys each and every year. Yeah, I this this is I mentioned to JC earlier. If you would have played these two scenarios out ten years ago and said, "Hey, look, 2017, here's what you return. You're going to the Final Four. 2023, here's what you return." you might have a chance to win the SEC title. Which one do you believe more? I'd say, oh, give me the final four run. Um, <laughs> there's no way. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. You never see somebody go in, in this league. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the, one of the best two leagues in college basketball. And uh-huh. you were picked last and you're. Yeah, by your peers. Picked last by your peers <laughs> and the people that cover you. So it's uh, not he's, us. Uh, he's doing an awesome job and. Uh, excited for this weekend. We got some good good seats for for the game Saturday, and I bet you do. We're not that one's not getting rained out. <laughs> I bet your family is all fired up over. Yeah, no, no, no. They, they what did they say? We'll, Major we'll, League. There is no wind. We play in a dome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we used to say all the time. Every Major League park should be a dome or a retractable roof. And they spend billions of dollars on these stadiums. Just put a retractable roof on there. Because the worst thing as a player is, are we playing today? Are we going to wait two hours to pick this thing back up? Obviously, that doesn't apply to college, but it gets my blood boiling a little bit. <laughs> well, <laughs> we didn't mean to do that to you today. No, it's all right. uh, well, all I right. mean, they're about, they're about to move a team to Salt Lake City, Utah. I hope they have a roof out there. Oh, they're going to be snowed out a lot. They don't. <laughs> that's, Minnesota that's opened a, a open-air ballpark a couple of years ago, too. I was like, yeah. that's – Got to be cold in the in the April. Did you play there? Did you play at the new ballpark in Minnesota? Oh, we played there. Target Field or whatever. Twelve times a year. Yeah, in our division, so it was yeah freezing. Yeah, I, like, I, I love playing there. Beautiful park and kind of right there in downtown, but it was cold. I bet so, summertime I mean, it was awesome, but it was all that playing in that division in the summer was great because it's it's not too hot and you know you get those long days where the sun goes down at like nine fifteen. So it was, it's beautiful up there in the in the summer, but you play in April and October and it's freezing. What's the what's the uh, what's the best ballpark in the big leagues, or or what was your what was your favorite ballpark in the big leagues? I, that's a hard question because you can, uh, there's a ballpark to hit in that you're going to like more, but just just when you walk in, you're like, man, I just love this place. I mean, the history of Fenway is just hard to beat. That put the, that and Wrigley in like their own separate category, just historical parks. But I'd say like my favorite park slash city combo, just because I had never really been to this part of the country and it's a really cool setup is Seattle. Seattle yeah. is really cool. Um, they do have their tractable roof. Just fans are kind of right on top of you. It seats a bunch of people. And then uh, the new Braves park. And growing up, kind of a Braves fan, and being close to home, getting to play there, and that park is interesting. That battery, how nice the battery is. We went to a Morgan Wallen concert there a couple months ago at the stadium, and the battery is just insane. What they've done. Wow. No, we had a good I bet time. that was fun, dude. I bet that was, I'm like, we had a oh, little fun. That sounds like a JC Sherbert event if I still lived in Atlanta. Well, you're, so. your your wife is from Air, she went to Arizona State, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's from Northern California. She actually transferred to the bad school for one year and that's where we met, but. Oh no. Did she really? I had to convert her. Uh, it was just a, it was just a, don't hold it against her. It's just a phase. Yeah. She didn't grow up a fan or anything. She just, (laughs) yeah, that was a, that's a sore subject. Yeah. Yeah. Well you, but you, she, she owes you a lot because you saved her life. 
I did. She was going down yeah. a dark path. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> Thank God. Right. For the my wife's work. master's degree is from there, so it's okay. Yeah, you know. Nah, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of people at my work, and my boss is a Clemson. I mean, it's a it's a good it's a good fun rivalry. They're all they're all great people. Yeah. It's just a fun fun little jabs you you put on each other here and there. I can't believe you didn't pick Tampa as your favorite ballpark to play in. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I actually went to Seattle a game, a Mariners game in 2012. Really? I saw him play the Cubs, and Justin Smoke was on the Mariners at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Justin he, got a hit he, in that game. He liked playing out there. It's he a setup. It's right beside the football stadium and kind of right it's downtown. Cool. Yeah, walk uh, yeah. near the water and stuff. It's uh, they he do they do a good job with that. We we uh we drank many beers. I mean, he he liked like he liked the ballpark. He didn't like being all the way across the country. Yeah. Um, but he loved he loved Toronto. He loved playing in Toronto. I um, love Toronto. Yeah, that's still I, a cool setup. I got up there. to play. I got to play against Justin in Toronto, and I got a hit and got to first. I was like, I don't mean this to sound re- weird, but you were my hero growing up. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's like, oh, I, yeah. he's like, I can oh, hear yeah. him now. Oh, cool, man. Thanks. Yeah, he was like, oh, thanks, man. You got that country voice. He is. I was like, I'm uh, I'm a little starstruck. Sorry. Oh, that's he's, too he's funny. An awesome guy. Yeah, we got to play against each other. And what year would that have been? Maybe 20, 2021? No, twenty nineteen. We yeah. opened up in Toronto. Hmm. Uh, better than opening up in Detroit in yeah, early it was April. Cool. It was uh, Grayson, we'll let you run, man. I I was only planning to keep you for twenty to twenty five minutes, but it's always neat to, to just ramble on with with you, and we really <laughs> certainly appreciate. It. I, I love, think you'd I be good in TV. What do we need to do to get him? At, we need. Do we need to call Coach Tanner? Get him in the booth would, up there for a game. I'd love to. <laughs> Dude, yeah, you got a good voice. For I have us. I have zero background in journalism or broadcasting, but. I would love to watch the game and be Most of the good ones don't. It's a feel. It's not a, a talk it's, thing. It's, it's, it's an art. He's, he's got the to fill in for one of those TV look. Games. I would do it. Yeah, he look, and he's tall, right? He's, he's got the TV he's look. Tall, so. yeah, give him a kip, and whenever he's it's out, radio. just you know, run up in the booth. No, I I think you – so that's where it would be. Is if you put him in there with Kip and you get that pitcher-catcher banter, That's yeah, it's yeah. good. You, you can – and I mean that's worth like you learn a lot when you listen to pitchers and catchers talk. When you're watching the game, you listen to pitchers catch it. What is Kip seeing? What are you seeing? But the, here's the thing with Kip, though. I don't mean this disrespect to Kip. If you're watching, it would have to be like real TV where they get one of those little boxes. So you're gonna have to stand on one of those little boxes so you're not looking up in the pregame at Grayson like that because he's five ten and you're six five, six six. Uh, I, know, I know Kip pretty well. He's awesome. But, you know, uh, yeah. I would if if it was presented to me, that'd be an awesome opportunity. I know that'd be. You get to watch baseball and talk about it. What's better than that? So, all right. Well, I, I might have stepped out of my lane on this, but uh, <laughs> instead of calling Coach Tanner, <laughs> I'm not going to call Coach Tanner the idea. I'm going to have Coach Lake do that. And, uh, let <laughs> him like, yeah, we'll we'll plan it in his ear tomorrow and see. <laughs> Coach Lake has need, a perfect radio voice. He's he's really good. He's. He I text him all the time. I'm like, dude, you're just. It's it's great. so. You can you can see it when you hear him talk about what he's talking about. Yeah. Just by listening, you can see it, and I'm just uh, I'm just just real, so proud of him and how he's honored Tommy in that seat too. Here's a compliment for you as we let you go. Lynn said here in the chat box, Grayson is one of my daughter's favorite baseball players. Pretty oh, cool. Thank you, thank you, nice. Lynn's daughter. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you to thank you to Lynn's daughter. And we had one other one up here, and I missed it. Hope said Grayson's family knew my family. I know Grayson doesn't know that, but his grandparents or great grandparents knew my grandparents out in Blythewood. That's pretty okay. neat. Too. Oh, very so, cool. Be, very uh, cool. Yeah, when you walk around, you you never know who's watching Grayson. Be careful. Never know. Hey, thank dude, you guys again for having me. Always. Thanks, thanks for all the time. Again. Look forward thank to uh, seeing you soon. We'll be, we'll be up in Columbia uh, for uh, some games and bringing okay. the kids up and all that. Would love to see you. Yeah, hit me up. We'll uh, we'll be there all the time. So just let me uh, know. I'll bring my box too, so I can get closer to you. <laughs> all right. See you guys. Thanks, Thank dude. you. See you. Thanks, there you dude. go. Uh, Grayson Griner, one of the great uh, players ever at the University of uh, of South Carolina. See, that's bannering back and forth like that. I could do that all day. Yeah, man. Seattle. Just two catchers cutting it up. <laughs> yeah, we were out. We were out there for work. Uh, <laughs> a couple of catchers just, just, just catchers. now. That would be. I mean, nobody would care about my opinion because my you get Grayson, Landon, and Trent, and Bordenic, and all these guys get a catchers like a like a real podcast, like a true podcast. Just a couple of catchers and just have different catchers on every week talking ball. You need that on a delay with a dump button. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Especially that, that would be a nightmare for me on the back end, JV. That would be <laughs> you can throw Messina in there in a couple of years. Yeah, Carolina's had some dudes at catcher years. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm telling you, I mean, Grayson obviously could play. But for anybody that remembers right before Brandon Pack, anybody remembers Ryan Bordenick? Ryan Bordenick hit the baseball. He was like Mark McGuire for South Carolina. I have not say he wasn't on the juice, but it he, just went a long way. What he from Greenville? Malden? What did Ryan from Malden? No, Ryan was uh Ryan was from um like Pennsylvania or something. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. My my favorite just slugger was Phil Disher. No, Phil this year probably hit a buck 90, right? Or something like that. He didn't really not have his, the, not his senior year. He did. Yeah. We got that. Finally, he was one of those guys that got better, but boy, if Disher got up late and there were the bases were juiced, uh, and one of Tommy's great calls, there's a drive. I mean, he, uh, he, he that dude, some of his balls have not yet landed either. So no. I remember that, that was, that dude, was just, he made contact. My God. That the one he hit in Athens of the five in a row, and, that, and I joke just joke with about that a lot because Smoke's like, man, I hammered that ball. I'm like, yeah, it didn't go farther than Dishers. Yeah, it did. No, it didn't. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> no, it did not. Um, but uh, he was one of those guys that was part of that era. I mean, we like we joke about this a lot. I mean, you've heard Coach Lake and Coach Holbrook, Coach Tanner literally told those guys that like that was their role. Hey. I need you to hit the ball out of the yard. So when I tell you to go in and pinch hit and say, hey, I need you to go hit the ball out of the yard, like that's not unexpected. You've heard it before. So do it. And and you just don't really hear that often because that's very video game-ish. Like that's not how baseball works. You don't just step in there and try to hit a home run and it happens. Generally, you're out. <laughs> but, but back then, for whatever reason, that was the magic of Coach Tanner. I don't know how to explain it. All right, um, I know we're long past due, and, and Phil's getting fidgety, so we can go to break and, and get caught up here, and so am I. That's all me, Phil. I've been blabbering around. Uh, yeah, okay. When when we return, we, we definitely have ba uh, 
basketball to get into. We'll get back into it at the top of the hour. But, JC, first we got to get filled in on the wide receivers uh, coaching situation. Uh, look forward to hearing your thoughts on that. I've got a couple of little nuggets to pass along, too, that I learned this morning from some sources. Uh, but that job is full, and we'll, we'll meet them tomorrow officially uh, with, uh, with Shane Beamers. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. They can go up to 60 miles on a charge, almost as far as Ryan Bordenick could hit the baseball when he played at South Carolina. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. Hang tight. We will be right back. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock-related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com, a tradition unlike the others. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's 2024, and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do 
just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year. Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington and the Target Center, and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating get yourself the three amigos bundles for tailgating they make catering easy with a fresh hot setup and again you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up you can also look them up online or you can even download the app salsaritas is just a cut above the rest that's why they're serving williams price stadium and the south stands also serving in the colonial life arena again that catering hotline number make it easy for you and the folks out there you don't need to settle for Sandwiches every time. 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. Rescues and Resin, proud supporters of Carolina Rise. They are also proud partners of the show. They make products you can't get anywhere else. Custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate, make your home, or make anything stand out. Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. Rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, what's up? What's up? You knew what time it is. Come on. What? Game time hoop? <laughs> on that what Jordan did? JC, what's going on at the University of South Carolina? I hear that uh, they've got a, uh, a an opening now. Defensive coordinator Clayton White has left, and uh, they're looking for a new nutrition girl and the, a new janitor. You heard the janitor's out. Who's going to fill the janitor role? That's all. That's, that's a critical piece there. We're going to make up – somebody shoot Shane a text. I guess I could do it and just let him know. We're going to make some stuff up in, like, July, like June, mm-hmm. July, leading into media That's days, right. which, by the way, is in Dallas this year, for anybody wondering. Um, so many Alabama fans <laughs> out there. But um, We'll go ahead and start one. Hunter Beamer is going to be an on-field. Yeah, like, I, we're going to come up with something, you know, because people are nuts about football. Like, they're pretty – it's kind of weird sometimes how people get all antsy about the nutrition guy and whatever. So why don't we do uh, – what do you want to do, JC? Um, like the – you know, the, do you want to do the janitor? Like the janitor's leaving. Like we've got a short list for who's going to replace them. Um, do you want to do the roofer, landscape? Like what do you want to do here? I have a short list for janitor. 
Okay. <laughs> Mr. Mike is no longer the lead janitor, and uh, this is the, this could this could tear the whole program. Number one, number four, Hakeem from Coming <laughs> to America. <laughs> yes. Number three, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> number two. If he was These still alive, Chris Farley uh, and his character from uh, Dirty Work, where he had no nose. Oh, yeah. That's number two. And uh, number one would be um, Forrest Gump. Because, I mean, he's cutting the grass like you, your dream job anyway. Charlie Sheen. He's doing nothing. And from Dirty Work? Mm-hmm. No, from Minute Work. Minute Work, not Dirty Work. Yeah, minute yeah, Work. Yeah, minute, yeah, work. minute Work is one of the Men cool work. classic. Men at work. Yeah. Not You're going to swing work, for this, James. Yeah, not, oh, yeah. Yeah. Someone's like, You're Men at work. Swing. Never heard of it. Men at work. Men at work's a great uh, 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 band from the 80s. Clint's got a great question here. How much Power Five experience does the leading janitor candidate have? I would probably follow that up with, uh, you know, you know, have they, do they have any recruiting experience to be able to, you know, kind of round out their team there like who has experience in cleaning the bat like you don't want a dirty bathroom i promise you that not in that building you got all those guests coming in you're bringing in recruits jc you don't need recruits parents going into a poopy smelling bathroom now you gotta have somebody knows what they're doing in there that's important really i mean and and i'll tell you this like uh we had chris stewart uh who's now the voice of the crimson tide alabama on jc and morgan when saban left and he was telling the story when saban got there he had meetings with the cleaning people and, and told them, Hey, this is what needs to happen. This is, we appreciate the job you do. You're an important part. I mean, in, in college sports, we talk about, especially in football, we talk about alignment frequently from the top down. Saban, I think his success is largely because he had very rigid alignment. That's why he's able to survive seven coaches coming and going every year. Um, and so it is important. I mean, you know, everybody in that building, and I'm, I think Shane operates this way, should feel like they're part of the team. Um, I didn't mean just for this to get serious because I know you were just joking, but I was like, <laughs> no, um, I am. No, but no, I, but I, I can tell you this, fans of any school, if you put out a janitor short list and they're not going to be happy with who you hire. <laughs> right. Oh, they're going to have to message. down at Bojangles. Should have been yeah. the guy, you know. So, yeah, you, uh, hit, you hit the nail on the head. No, yeah, right. but uh, no, uh, new receivers coach is, um, you know, it's one of those hires that you, you probably, I, w- I would call it unexpected. I mean, I didn't expect him to go in this direction, but, you know, he kind of fits the MO. He's coached in the pros, he's been a head coach. Um, he's won. He's a winner. Guy wins. Uh, experience at Marshall coaching their receivers when they were really, really good at that position. Um, of course, coach for the Bears. And I, I, I'll be honest, I was not a Matt Nagy guy because I had to sit here and watch it the whole time. Didn't like the offense. But the receivers were good. I mean, he coached, uh, I think, Darnell Mooney up. Um, they had Allen Robinson. Was a guy he coached in Chicago. Uh, Chicago's problem was probably probably quarterback. If you want to be truthful about it, um, with Trubisky, but uh, I, you know, I, I I like the guy. I mean, I, I and you know, even beyond his resume, 
and, and I think for most people, you're going to have to take that extra step and go look him up on YouTube and listen to him talk or listen to the press conference tomorrow to find out what he's really all about. This is another Joe D. Camillus, Sean Elliott, high, high energy type of hire um, yeah. with a track record in coaching in the actual coaching at the highest level. And I mean, Limestone was in shambles when right. he came back. And he immediately won what eight eight games nine and then nine games back to back playoff appearances. I mean, we, we talked. You know, we, there's a guy out there, Kalen DeBoer, that went sixty seven and three just ten years ago in Division two, II, Division three. Pretty good coach, you know. <laughs> I mean, so those guys from the lower levels, and it, and it is a little weird because he's he's group of he's been group of five D two head coach, uh, pro pro receivers coach for four years. That's that's weird. It's not nobody's resume is going to look identical to that, but he, he has experience in a lot of uh, places and uh, everybody in Gaffney and, and my Gaffney folks, you're, I, you know who you are. Uh, and, and I talked to many of you and consider many of you, my friends, and you all know football. You know, I got a lot of respect for Gaffney people that know football because most of them do the word around town. There is this is an absolute slam dunk for the Gamecocks because the kids that, that play for limestone, love the guy, love the guy, you know? And so I, I shoot, I, I don't know that they, they maybe, maybe they upgraded, you know, uh, and nothing against James Coley. Uh, he's, he's more of a proven track record, but you know, I, I think with all these assistant coaches, because we've all been so wrong, I'm including the fans and myself in that uh, we sat here and looked at Muschamp staff and a lot of names, a lot of decorated recruiters, a lot of guys that went on to coach at Georgia and Bama, you know, and, and that didn't really work out here. And then we, we, you go on the other side and you know, Satterfield and Hardesty were kind of surprising hires and that didn't work out. Um, mm -hmm. So there's no, I don't think there's any secret sauce, magic formula for it. I think, you know, my questions are, does it make sense? And this makes sense. Uh, and then, you move on and you evaluate it two years down the road and say, is this working or not? And, uh, I, you know, I, I think the ingredients are there for it to work. Um, you know, and so I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah. So I learned this morning, um, let me make sure that I get this right here, JC, um, that, um, he, uh, so Matt Nagy, who was the coach at, in Chicago while he was the wide receivers coach there. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm not saying this to like, uh, formulate any opinion one way or another. Uh, my, my understanding, according to somebody this morning, these two guys were roommates in college. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Matt Nagy obviously knew Mike Fury well and was comfortable with hiring him to be the wide receivers coach of the Chicago bears. Uh, when he when he did um so you know i <clears throat> i found that a little bit interesting I, I i guess you could you know i'm not sure i will learn more about mike fury tomorrow i don't i i really haven't known much about him at all um but you know i it i did find it interesting that um he you know wanted to after he was done in chicago he immediately went to the college ranks like did he not want to stay in the nfl did did he like, did he choose not to stay in the NFL? Did he not have an opportunity in the NFL? Did he want to come into college football? Um, and, you know, he had an opportunity to be a head coach, and he's been a successful head coach. 
the last two years. I mean, Limestone's had a really good football program. They've been in the playoffs. I think they're 16 and eight, right? Combined the last two years and something like um, 13 and three or something in the league. And so he's done. I'm just interested to learn more about his past and, and what has led him here. And I understand this was a difficult decision for him to make to come down the road from what's a very developing Gaffney, South Carolina, by the way, it's a, really turned into a neat town. And um, so we'll, we'll see, but uh, interested to hear more of his past and <clears throat> certainly what he plans to do in the future. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he has to know how to play receiver. The guy uh, walked on at Ohio state and then transferred to Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa's had good teams through the years and, uh, and then undrafted, but sticks in the NFL for how long, you know, and, and had some really caught 200 and something passes yeah. during his career. Most of the time with the Detroit lions. I mean, seven, this, seven years, this, right? Yeah. This guy uh, just, uh, that's longer than a lot of people. I mean, and he did it with sheer will and desire. It wasn't the fastest guy, wasn't the wasn't the strongest guy, wasn't the biggest guy, but uh, you know, kind of like a, a Hunter Renfro type of guy uh, out there. And um, yeah, and, and you know, coming back to Limestone, like they were not in a good situation. Uh, I don't, I don't think they won a game before he came back in eight. And then you went seventeen or sixteen back to back. That's a that's a pretty quick turnaround, and and if you can't coach, you can't do it that fast at that level at any level. If you're not a good, if you're not a really good football coach, you're not going to orchestrate that kind of deal as a head coach. And um, I am almost positive he will be able to coach receivers at a high level at South Carolina. So does this fit your you know go get you a ball coach kind of template here? Is that you know, what you would liken this higher to, J.C.? Yeah, I mean, look, Coley's a good ball coach, too. Coley's coached a lot of different positions, been a coordinator. Um, Never had been in a place like South Carolina, you know, and that was the one concern after going through some assistance under Muschamp that had had not been, you know, been in the Blue Bloods there, including Will himself. I mean, probably – after Will was at Valdosta State and then at uh, Eastern Kentucky after he got out of school, you know, uh, he went straight to LSU <laughs> and from there to Texas and from there, then to Auburn and then, you know, the Dolphins. And then, you know, he'd never really been in a place like South Carolina, which it is different. You have to kind of uh, bob and weave. But, um, you know, and Coley kind of had that resume. Now, he was off to a good start recruiting. And that's about all I can say because he wasn't here that long. Um, and so, hey, maybe they're going to be a little behind. But, I mean, this is the type of guy, you know, he gets on the phone with a prospect of their family. He's going to come across as very impressive. Uh, and and I think sometimes the guys that are at the lower levels end up being better ball coaches like game day, you know, fundamentals, things like that, than the guys that are at places that recruit themselves. And they're out there signing a bunch of five stars, and talent kind of just takes over. But you kind of look at their position, like, well, this cat really didn't get any better while he was here, but he was great to begin with. Um, and, and so maybe this is the type of guy, or, or, or I'll say it, I think this is the type of guy South Carolina always needs to kind of target. Uh, is he going to be that type of guy? Will he work out? I can't guarantee that with anybody. Um, but I do think that uh, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, I think it's the players are going to be excited, and, and um, I think the rest of the coaching staff will as well. 
We're out of time in hour two. If you missed the Grayson Griner conversation, it was fun. More on this hire and Gamecock basketball. Gamecock Traditions has got you covered. Look good for Carolina's win over Florida coming up on Saturday. GamecockTraditions.com, located in Lexington and the village at Sandhill. Remember, it's Q-Zip season. It's also baseball season, and they've got those awesome hoodies. Get dressed at Gamecock Traditions, the leading Under Armour dealer in the state. We'll be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game Pops. With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist with a little peace. And some harmony We'll take the world together We'll take them by the hand
It's 105 and it's the final hour inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the Chief Sports Network. Make sure you've downloaded, downloaded, did, 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 downloaded our app. It's free in any device that you have. It is served by Dixie Vodka. So that's going to be my Friday this this week, Friday, Dixie Vodka, Saturday, bourbon. Um, and, you know, Dixie Vodka is made right here in Charleston, South Carolina, and it is fantastic. And it goes well with everything, and smooth, and it's inexpensive. I mean, under thirty dollars for a handle. What better good vodka for less than thirty bucks? Come on, can't thank them enough. Can't thank all of you enough for joining us as you do every day around here uh, on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Um, all right, dear. A uh, couple of things. Uh, first and foremost, if you missed Alan Piercy. Or Grayson Griner, you'll want to go back and check those conversations out. Both interesting. Grayson, of course, previewing South Carolina Clemson this weekend, reminiscing as well, talking some hoops. Alan Piercy has an awesome book. If you like to read, you know somebody that likes to read. Somebody's got a birthday coming up. You got an anniversary. You're going to go to the mountains and you need a new book. You're going to go to the beach and you need a new book. You've got a back porch and you like to sit out there and just, just enjoy. This this is this is it, guys. This is it right here. A Gamecock Odyssey. If you go to Amazon, type in a Gamecock Odyssey written by Alan Piercy, University of South Carolina Sports and the Independent Era. If you want to learn a little bit more about that, go back and check out the conversation that he had, mostly with JC, but also with Phil and I here earlier on our program. Really excited. Uh, really, really, really excited, as a matter of fact, uh, about this book. I've ordered it. I just ordered it a little while ago. So really excited about that. Um Real quick, I want to throw this in here and then get to some hoops with the two of you or get back to some hoops with the two of you. Uh, so uh, the, the Mike Fear, I don't know if uh, I'm assuming John and right, JC, John and Hale will both be in there tomorrow. I know Hale will be there, but John uh, there? That home oh, basketball okay. game tomorrow. Yeah, one of them could be. A, yeah, no, I, I think they'll they, usually they both go and, and Alex, too. All right. Alex, now Alex so they might all be there. All right, so we, we need to send a, send a group text, or you send it, and and one 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 of those cats needs to ask him about his time in St. Louis because it might have not clicked with anybody yet. But his rookie year with the Rams, what that was the year that Kurt Warner got hurt in the first game. Remember that, and then Mark Bolger came in and. Had an outstanding season, but the Panthers beat them in the divisional round in the postseason that year. But he 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 caught twenty passes for one hundred and eighty nine yards. And while that might not seem like that many, and it, it I guess at the end of the day, it's, well, it's more than any of us have caught in the NFL twenty catches in that one year. The he played on a team with Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce. Yeah. How many catches were you going to have? Especially yeah, as a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? the greatest show on turf back then. Yeah. This cat that? In there. yeah, he's running around. You know, Marshall Falk is toting the rock, and Isaac Bruce and Tory Holder out there, you know, they're doing their thing. And here comes this little cat named Mike Fury from Northern Iowa. He's just out running around, and he catches 20, 20 balls that season. So I hope somebody will ask him about his experience uh, in playing with those guys. And in playing in that era, because you just said, JC, at that point in time, it was known as the greatest show on turf. 
I'd like to, I'd like to dig in to see what kind of offense limestone ran to and how much was he a part of constructing that system. And, you know, there's always, you, you know, like I said, Dowell Loggins is a sponge. I mean, he, he's beg borrowing and stealing from everybody. Uh, and rightfully so in the college game, you do that. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of curious to see kind of what style of play. Cause I don't know anything about, I mean, I'll read their scores and saw that they won, but I, I I'd like to figure out kind of what kind of offensive mind this guy is too. And, Mm-hmm. All that good stuff. So uh, I'm actually very much so looking forward to the press conference tomorrow. And uh, I think that as these things go, like I said, I can't, I can't sit here. I'll, I'll, I can sit here and tell you why it will work out. I can sit there and tell you why it won't. You just never know. But uh, I think it does make a lot of sense on paper. Uh, I think that the guy's got a lot of enthusiasm and intangibles uh, and certainly a lot of credibility given his career as a player and a coach. And Beamer likes guys with NFL experience. So, uh, and that's something you can sell in recruiting because that's where all these kids want to go is the NFL. So, uh, that's, uh, it's not something I think you can base your program on because I think we've seen that happen around here, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. And it's not necessarily related totally to winning, but I think Beamer's done a good job of balancing that, uh, and then the team aspect and, and all that good stuff. So, if you can sell it, go ahead, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, he mentioned uh, Megatron knows him. Calvin Johnson knows him. Calvin also knows Derek Moore really well. Um, so I wonder if there was a, a kind of he knew Derek too. But, yeah, I think Calvin was with him in um, Detroit, right? Megatron. Uh, yeah, it would have to be Detroit. Yeah, that was his last year, I think, right? In 07 or um, 08. Yeah. Or no, no, he would have been there for the whole time. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Is that right? Would he have been there in 06? Was was Megatron there in 06? Yeah. I think yeah, I think Calvin's last year with uh the Georgia Tech was 05. Cuz remember they beat Clemson uh miraculously. Oh. <laughs> kind of like they beat yeah. Miami this year uh and I think that was 05 if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. Right. I'd have to go back and look. But yeah, I think that, yeah, he had a I thousand mean, yards that year, JC. Yeah, this guy, I mean, I, I th- that has to be the relationship there. Somebody in the chat box from Gaffney said Megatron came to practice one day, so uh, that's right. cool. Hey, Maybe he can like bring that. him to – well, he's been here. Uh, Derek brought him to South yeah. Carolina once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Calvin's been around. Yeah, I like Calvin Johnson. He, he went oh. his own way. Phil. Yeah, 06 final year Phil. at Georgia Tech. Tweet it. Tweet it. Megatron Tron for wide receivers coach. Fire Mike Fury. That's right. Megatron for wide receivers coach. Right. Come on, let's do it. Let's get Martin. the message boards going. Martin points out James Coley never caught a pass in the NFL. It's like, hey, yeah, there you go. Or something, but I don't know. You know, we'll see. I, I, the, I like the idea. I like, I like guys from smaller schools. When you give them a shot, you know, they, they tend to, especially if they're winners and they've had a great try, they tend to work out pretty, pretty good. So I, I, I'm really, I'm interested. I really want to hear about his time in the NFL because of the players that he played with. I'm really interested in how. Those guys, I mean, he's going to be the wide receivers coach here, and he played wide receiver with some of the best wide receivers that have ever played the game. I mean, Isaac Bruce, Calvin Johnson, and Torrey Holt. That doesn't make you a great coach. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that he's going to be a great coach. I'm just saying I'm interested in what he learned in playing with those guys. For what it's worth, by the way, that double – do you all remember that double overtime win uh, in 2000 – well, I guess it was the beginning of 2004 – uh, when the Panthers beat the Rams that year, and um, 
they were you know that that game was that game was at home it was in st louis um and uh, carolina went up there and beat them listen to the names in this game in which mike fury played because th- this was the only playoff game that he that you know this was his rookie year and he caught four passes in the game for 30 yards and but these are the names that he played with i already mentioned you know tory holt i mentioned isaac bruce i mentioned marshall falk obviously mark bolger but on the other side, you had Jake Delhomey, Jake Delhomme, uh, Steve Smith Jr., UCLA head football coach Deshaun Foster, toe to the rock for 21 or 95 yards and 21 carries. Steven Davis was on that Panthers roster, Columbia native, lives out there and uh, I think he's still living in Irmo. Um, Musa Muhammad owner of Wild Wing Cafe now. I mean, it's amazing to look back 20 years and figure out what, what these dudes did with themselves. And uh, and Mike Minter was the leading tackler in that game. So was Dan, uh, Dan Morgan had uh, uh, six tackles in that game. What's Dan Morgan doing these days? Mm. Isn't he the new M for the Carolina Panthers? <clears throat> oh, gosh. Hey, you know who else played in that game? Poor A guy, guy named Julius Peppers. There was another guy that played in that game named Terry Cousin. Former South Carolina Gamecock. Funny to look back, isn't it, guys? It is, man. That was a, one of the few times the Panthers have been good. Their, their second year, they were good and went to the NFC Championship game and then the two Super Bowl years. And other than that, it's been sort of lean in Charlotte and it's a dumpster fire now. But uh, right. NFL is designed, you can cycle. If you, if you can get it right, you can cycle back up. Unless you're the Dallas Cowboys, then then you can win as many regular season games as you'd like, and you're never going to get past the first round of the playoffs. But uh, you know, I mean, you cycle back up. We're living in an era where the the Bengals and Bills and Browns are real legit, and you know, some other teams aren't. Uh, you know, so that's it's interesting. Matt Nagy, I forgot that he had gone back to Kansas City, so he won Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's uh, that's a surprising. To me, but I mean, you got the goat calling plays on the sidelines. So that's probably it. But uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, see how it goes. See what happens uh, with this this hire. I I, I do like it. Uh, like I said, and you know, it is fun to go back and look because I remember this guy playing, and, and and now you see what wow he was he was in Gaffney winning football games. So we'll see what happens. Last night, speaking of wins, it happened again in College Station. The Gamecocks hit the road. Well, they hit the skies. They hit the skies. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't drive out there. Um, but uh, they did come home victory, victorious, as we all well know. Zach Davis put it in late, seventy to sixty-eight. Uh, we've we earlier in the program uh, we hit, we hit on this, and then with Grayson, we kind of rolled out this area which it takes for them to at least claim a share of the SEC regular season championship i i saw earlier clint said he, he he would he would rather alabama beat tennessee i wouldn't and here's why because the tide have the tiebreaker over the gamecocks so if they finish with the same record alabama gets the higher seed in the sec tournament mm-hmm. I, I you want tennessee to win the game if tennessee can win the game this week that will give them a a game up i mean they would get to 13 and three and but that would drop alabama to 12 and four it would drop if Carolina wins. It gets them to twelve and four. You're going to need Alabama to lose again down in the swamp uh, to get to uh, to get to five losses. But tiebreaker in that scenario, from a seeding perspective, goes to Alabama. 
So you want Tennessee to win that game, and then you turn around and beat Tennessee and Columbia. You own the tiebreaker over them by by sweeping that series. And look, guys, Florida and Kentucky aren't out of this. There's six teams in the mix. No, yeah, there's no. Um, and and Kentucky actually, they play they play in Knoxville to end the se- in the regular season, but they got Arkansas and Vandy back to back, so they're going to be sitting at twelve and five probably. Yeah. Yeah, Carolina, of course, has the tiebreaker there. Florida's got at Carolina, then they play Bama at home, but then they're at Vandy. Um, so they could, if they sweep those three games, obviously could be in the mix. Tennessee has the toughest of toughest road of everybody mm-hmm. uh, at Alabama, at Carolina, and then at home for Kentucky. Uh, Auburn probably has the easiest at ten and five. They got Mississippi State at home, then they go to yeah. Missouri, and yeah, they're Georgia. not losing. You're, so they're right. They, yeah, you could probably pencil them in at thirteen and five. Yeah, you know, Carolina's got the Gators and Vols, and then at Mississippi State, those are three tough ones. Uh, and fourteen, then Bama, and, 14 and four is going to win it. Yeah, Bama's got a home game with Tennessee. They play at Florida, and then they host Arkansas. So they've two of their, you know, I mean, if they go one and two, that's good for the Gamecocks, obviously. But um, you know, they do have that that Arkansas. There's not like an Arkansas type game for the Gamecocks uh, or for Tennessee. Uh, heading into all this. Yeah, so if you can win out, obviously that's first and foremost. None of this works unless you win out. And they 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 can. If they win out, JC, to summarize, you become a Tennessee basketball fan on Saturday. Uh, you become a Florida basketball fan midweek next week. And then you become a Kentucky basketball fan next weekend because they go to Knoxville. And if they could go up there and pull it off, and you've held serve, and Bama gets beat this weekend at home by Tennessee, and then they get beat in the swamp, and Tennessee gets beat by South Carolina next week, and then finishes by getting beat at home by Kentucky. You win it outright. That's it. You, it's over. you do. How about that? And also, South Carolina is three wins away from tying the school record for wins. Yeah, with three left. Uh, Twenty six uh, is what the Final Four team got to. Uh, the team before the final four got a 25 NIT team. And then the 1970 team did not go anywhere with the ACC tournament. And they of course went 25 and three and undefeated in the ACC got upset by NC state. Uh, back when there was no shot clock, John Roach was hurt, lost 42, 39. And back in those days, uh, you, you, you don't get in the NCAA tournament unless you win the ACC tournament. Uh, and then they couldn't go to the NIT, which was prestigious back then, because Carolina, our guest earlier mentioned how nice Carolina Coliseum was at the time, one of the largest arenas in the South. They were hosting the regionals, the East regionals. Uh, and so the rule was you can't play in the NIT if you're a host. So that the best team in school history before the the later years, you know, probably it's probably still the best team in school history because they were ranked number one, went undefeated in the league, all that. Didn't play in any postseason and had to sit there and watch NC State on their home court um, flounder around and lose. And then that year, the Final Four was in College Park, Maryland, and I think all kinds of Cinderellas got in, uh, and then UCLA ultimately won it. I think they beat Western Kentucky or somebody. Um, Jacksonville, I think, won the Final Four. That year. So that year. Was that, that that's that 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 game probably is the most haunting loss in South Carolina basketball history? Probably more so uh, than the Coppin State Richmond's, uh, you know, not not completing the comeback against Gonzaga 
I would rank all those up there, but that's, um, man, that, think about that. You go all that way and because it's not modern yet. And that was their year. I think they could have probably beaten UCLA and won it all. Oh, well. Yeah. It's interesting. I, there is a scenario where you could have a six way tie. Yeah, there is. I, yeah, I didn't go through. I was I just, just looking just through the schedule, but I was like, statistically, this thing could end in a six-way tie for for, for that hurts my head. I know. I was like, I was just sitting here running the running the scenarios, and it's like that would be just the worst case scenario <laughs> for any of those teams. Yeah, as a Carolina can fall to like a six seed and share in the conference title or something. I don't think they could yeah. go that far. I don't. No, think it depends on really what happens with Florida. Lenardi wise, yeah, I, I I don't think it would affect bracketology so much because of the way it would all have to play out. Um, everybody would get dinged in that, and a couple of guys would rise. But yeah, no, it's just mind bending. <laughs> just win, yeah. baby, just win. And I, you know, <laughs> the more I think about the double buy thing, I would much rather South Carolina be a a three seed or a two than a four because i think at four you're, you're probably waiting on kentucky or auburn at that point uh they play like arkansas vanderbilt winner uh and they'd have a game under their belt and you know you're sitting there friday i, I think i think a nice little accomplishment for this team although they've accomplished so much would, would be to make it to saturday at the sec tournament dan man that hasn't happened oh in a long 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 time oh. Bit of hot um, <laughs> it, We may have to go back to the Odom era. God, like, yeah, I, mean, I keep wanting to say 04, but I, I, well, you know. 06, they went to the championship game because that was the, they beat Tennessee. That was it. And, they beat Tennessee and Mississippi State, Tennessee, and because I was living in Nashville at the time. Yeah. Uh, I went to the, I went to the Mississippi State game on Thursday and then had to go out of town to, to Georgia, Atlanta for a camp caught that they miraculously beat Tennessee. And on Saturday at the other camp, I'm sitting there I'm going, God, they beat Kentucky too. <laughs> and so that, so that Sunday, uh, we, I went, uh, I, my wife had to work at the time. And so I got in the, the scooter and drove down to, to Broadway and, uh, watched him. And that was a great game, a two point game. Trey Kelly had a three at the end. That was probably a half inch short on target, but just a little short and, you know, the guys were kind of worn out and that during the regular season that year, Carolina beaten Florida twice, Florida ended up winning the national championship, but, uh, it may have been ugly. It was ugly. It may have been, it may have been since then guys, since they, because Frank, Frank had one year where they won two games at the tournament, but I believe that only got them to Friday. If I think they, yeah, I thought that I agree. I remember them playing midweek. So they don't think they got to the weekend. That was 2014-15. Well, if you finish in the top four this go-around and you win on Friday, I mean, you don't play till Friday. Right, right, right. And then, yeah. you know, Frank's uh, the second team after the Final Four that was 16-16 and 16, <laughs> uh, got the double bye uh, to Friday and then played Auburn, I think, and lost. But um, the SEC tournament has just been – I mean, it's almost like ba- the baseball program. It's been so futile uh, uh, since um, since Odom. Uh, you know, it's just been kind of 
a tough nut to swallow. Not tough nut to handle. Yeah. So tw- in 15, Gamecocks beat Missouri and then they beat Ole Miss and lost a, a pretty good Georgia team in the quarter. So Frank never got to Saturday. So Darren Horn, I don't think ever got to Saturday. So yeah, man, it's been 18 years since the Gamecocks have gotten to the semis of the tournament. That's that didn't even. That's crazy. <laughs> oh six, dang semis, huh? Well, Lamont Paris is certainly doing everything he can to make that a little bit more frequent. Um, yeah, but that's just crazy to even think about. Like I wouldn't even. That wouldn't have even crossed my mind unless you said that. Yeah. Slip in every so often. Does this create unrealistic expectations moving forward? No. Probably. I mean, not unrealistic. Probably, right. I think, (laughs) well, here's the thing. We've all been here before, right? As good as Lamont's doing in his second year, and we, we haven't been in this situation with a second year of a coach. Um, Darren Horn and Dave Odom certainly had promising first seasons. It wasn't NCAA tournament, but it was an NIT runner-up and then a, an SEC East championship uh, in their first seasons. Um, you know, George Felton probably would have gone to the tournament his second year where they were on probation. You know, but, but the problem with, with this program is really it, it's it's woefully inconsistent. And there's never even, – even Clemson – Although Oliver Purdell was probably one of the worst NCAA tournament coaches of all time. <laughs> he never, I don't think he ever got past the first round, but they went to what, four or five straight when he was there. Uh, Rick Barnes, uh, Cliff Ellis had a nice run. You know, programs, you know, in basketball, to, to get to that like respected level, you need to go to the tournament most years for a, a, an extended period of time. And, and guys, this is going to be number six in like 50 seasons. Yeah. And, and the big, the big dance is everything in college basketball. Mm-hmm. So, so even when, no matter how this year ends a national championship would be awesome, but no matter how this year ends another final four trip, I'll, I'll shave my head bald. That's it. Paint, paint it garnet and black. That's all you're willing to do. Nah, I, 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 I'll, I'll be shocked. Uh, I'd be shot, but Hey, you know, return to Phoenix where you had a good run. I mean, you know, that'd be kind of weird, but, uh, no matter how this year ends, the, the key to building this thing to sustain success is going to be to avoid the bottom falling out. And that's happened to every single coach that's been here. Give Frank Martin credit. He didn't let it. I mean, Eddie Fogler after back-to-back tournaments goes eight and 21, you know, Dave Odom probably should have been fired because he should have been in three straight NCAAs with those two teams that won the NIT. They were turned that, that last team we were talking about that almost beat Florida. That was a sweet 16 team. Go back and look at who was all on that roster. Mike Morgan. We can talk to him about that. He'd agree with me. You know, Darren Horn, great first year strength schedule, bit up, caught up to you, kind of a bad finish in the tournament. Couldn't keep it going. Can't dad Downey back the next year, losing season. Um, so that that's the key to, with anything is to keep the bottom from falling out. Now the good news is this guy is a different type of coach than all those other coaches. As far as his style, his he's a system coach. It's unique. It's tough. You don't like playing against it. Um, and he did a flawless job this year finding guys to fit. 
you know, what, what he likes to do. And if he continues to do that, I think the chances to be more consistent uh, are higher than maybe if you were just kind of like depending on a good wave of in-state players and cycling up, which is what happened with Fogler. And then unfortunately with Fogler, he was about to reload. And AAU basketball kind of started being front and center, and then Mike McGee, and he, of course, did not get along at all. Um, you know, different things have happened through through the through the through the years, but uh, I think you like the statistically the the chances of Lamont having sustained success just because of how he's accomplishing it. Um, at least that's the hope. But you know that that's the key for this basketball program. Period. Consistency year in year out. Uh, it's tough because a lot of SEC programs do go up and down. Look at Missouri. Look at Arkansas. Uh, but um, that's that's the next step they have to take, regardless of what happens this year. Well, they, JC, I think I was trying to do some quick research, which is pretty poor on my part. I should have done this before the before the show today. Of course, we haven't got to the SEC tournament yet, so I, I don't, I'm not sure why I would have. Anyways, here's the point. I think only like once in the last 10 plus years have they played more than one game in the SEC tournament. Um, so when you correlate that with the fact that, as you pointed out a little while ago, uh, this this team is um, three wins shy of tying their the program record of 26 wins, which of course was set during the final four run. Of course, that team had 11 losses, remember. Uh, this team... Uh, cannot get to 11 losses. They, they There aren't enough games for them to lose there. Uh, they can only lose 10 games. If they lose out the regular season, lose the first game of the SEC tournament, you can only lose one game in the SEC tournament, you can only lose one game in the NCAA tournament. So they can't lose more than 10 games this year. And if you win one of these final three, you won't lose double digits. Um, so there's a chance that from a win-loss percentage, this could be the uh, – the most or uh, not percentage from a number of wins standpoint, this could be the most wins in school history. If they can somehow get to, to 27 wins. Um, But it wouldn't be the best record in school history by percentage, 1969 and uh, 1970, of course, 25-3. You know, they were number one in the country coming into that year. Did you know that? Sports Illustrated had John Roach on the cover and said, uh, Number one, the I think South is rising or something, and they're yeah. like Gamecocks take aim at UCLA. Yeah, yeah, it's well, kind of like that Clemson baseball team that lost to the Gamecocks. That's true. Yeah, I, 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 and I think it, I think it's neat too. Um, I think it's neat too. Like just 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 soak this in for a second. You know, like like the old saying when you're a broadcaster and get the game winning shot. And you don't want to be like Tony Romo. You want to just shut up and let it breathe. You know what I mean? Just like think about you feel this? You feel this? It's March. You know what generally happens in March around here? We're talking about Carolina baseball and looking forward to spring practice and uh talking about your favorite birds and you know what's your favorite color? Do you do you like uh, this tread of tire or that tread of tire? We're about to turn the page into March tomorrow. And we're sitting here talking about the greatest records in the history of the school for Carolina men's men's basketball. Talking about winning the SEC championship. Talking about being a three or four seed in the tournament. Those are the conversations we're having. I don't know if it's going to work out or not work out, but it does not happen around here, does it? 
We weren't, you know, when you weren't having, the, I was, I had my show on ESPN. We weren't having these conversations that year. They went to the final four. It was like, remember they had started, they were fading a little bit. And it was like, yeah. And I they played gonna, Alabama again yeah. in the dang oh, tournament. Yeah. And Avery's going to get in Alabama owned Frank for some reason. Frank Mark could not beat Alabama. Well, uh, I mean, it was it, but like, I, I mean, just the year, like the way that things were unfolding, it was like, they're losing these last couple games. I think they're going to get in, but I don't know if they get in. If they do get into March, what are they going to do? Oh, they got in. They're a seven seed. Oh, in my Greenville. God. Yeah, They've got Duke and Marquette and Arkansas. They're, they're never getting out of Greenville. Like, nobody was having those conversations. We were just kind of enjoying it, right? Just And now we're sitting here talking about greatest records in the history. This is crazy. Like, this oh, yeah. is crazy. I remember that Marquette game, too. I was there for a half. And I left because I was like, uh, I guess I, it just kind of got claustrophobic. But then I was with a young lady at the time that was not a big basketball fan. So we went to the uh, Carolina Ale House to watch the rest. And, you know, Carolina's down to Marquette at half and not shooting it that well. And Marquette could have been up more. And the next thing you know, Carolina, boom, wins by 20. And then you got the Duke game, and that's everybody, you know, the Duke's kind of grinding it out up nine at half. And then – Probably the best half of basketball in program history. The next half, Gamecocks put sixty-five on the Blue Devils, and uh, man, so there you go. And Baylor was, was on, no no match for the Gamecocks. I was Flynn. on the floor for all of that, and I had the flu, and I was up there covering all that stuff. Uh, and I will never forget. I will never, ever. No, what I'll never forget is the first time I ever walked into March Madness as part of the media. And uh, they did quite, quite uh, quietly informed me that I wasn't allowed on the floor with a bottle of water. Had to be in a blue cup. Um, that that you know ran me in the wrong direction real quick. But I will never forget that Duke atmosphere. And into the game, everybody thought that that place was going to be packed with Blue Devils. Nah, it was packed with Gamecocks, and it was the sweetest. That you couldn't, I couldn't cheer being down there with the press. Couldn't do that. And uh, so I just had to sit around and kind of absorb it. But with a couple minutes left in that game, I drifted back into the, into the uh, under the, the halls of the well and made my way back up into the stands. <laughs> so yeah. me. <laughs> made sure that they didn't catch me there. Um, but that, that I'll never forget all that. That was the neatest setup uh, ever. I remember walking out of my hotel room and looked to my right, and there was Jeff Goodman. He was staying in the room next to me. And I was like, hey, you little. You're getting destroyed in the chat box because you, they think you gave Sundarius the flu. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, now we know who got Sundarius sick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, wasn't, I wasn't that close to. I wasn't that I, close I, to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was Greenville, too. Not, not New York. He would have been sick in New York. But, oh, yeah. And then New York City, dude. Carolina does have a lot of alums up there in the city. And it, back in the day, McGuire used to play up there a lot because he and all the players were from there. So there's a lot of. Gamecock basketball history there. I mean, right down to the fact that Eddie Fogler was also a New York guy that went and played for Dean yeah. Smith um, in North Carolina. But, uh, you know, so there's Gamecocks around there, and they they kind of took over Madison Square Garden, and which is the mecca uh, arena of college basketball, I think. Basketball in general, maybe. But um, uh, I just uh, – boy, you know, that, that, that scene – uh, at the bars around 
uh, Madison Square Garden. There, there's video on YouTube where the Gamecocks wrapped up the win of Florida, and half the arena is garnet and black. I mean, it's just uh, unbelievable. And then I was in Phoenix, and I mean, there had to be fifteen to twenty thousand Gamecocks mm-hmm. there. Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody had a pretty big. You know, Gonzaga and Oregon are quick Southwest Airlines flights from the Northwest, and the Tar Heels travel. I mean, they do. They they travel. Uh, but Gamecocks really did not take a backseat crowd-wise to anybody. And uh, it was the most fun watching a basketball game in person or really a sporting event in person I've had in a long time. Probably that one and uh, the Kentucky road football game in 2022 are kind of my two favorite sporting events uh, in my recent life uh, that I've gone and watched. But it was – um, I tell you, it was something else uh, that run was. And it, it – you know, yep. it, it sort of just came all, all came together at the same time and, and sort of, you know, validated Frank as a great NCAA tournament coach. I hate that he hasn't been back since and, and, and all that at UMass or Carolina, but uh, he was really good at Kansas State, too. It's, it's hard to match up against his teams in a tournament setting. You go back to when he's a high school coach, they dominated the state tournament every year. So that was uh, one thing that when Frank came to Columbia – that was stressed to everybody was this guy. If you can get, if you can get him, if he can get you there, he can win in advance. And for a program that hadn't won an NCAA game since 73 or 74, that was absolutely magical. And I know he's gone and I'm not, I'm, I'm happy that Lamont Paris is here and winning. And I, I think Frank's happy, but you know, down the road about 10, 15 years, people need to look back on that and say, you know, that guy really did a great job. And, and you know, uh, when you kind of look at Florida basketball, there was a guy named Lon Kruger that took them to the final four in 94. Billy Donovan didn't get there till 98, you know, and replaced Lon Kruger. So there's, there's precedent for one guy kind of getting them over the hump. And then the next guy taking it to that next level. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another one. When Bill Foster left Duke, we were talking about him earlier and uh, came to South Carolina after rebuilding Duke. Guess who they hired? An unknown from Army with a funny last name mm. who had two straight losing seasons <laughs> and named Mike. Yeah, Sh- a Sh- lot Sh- of consonants in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, Mike Shishesky. <laughs> uh, and so it worked, you know, so so Foster got him to the final four, but get, but who Coach K is a legend. So sometimes the, the guy that follows the guy that the guy that follows the guy sometimes does a really good job and can actually elevate you, especially college basketball. We got to hit our final timeout of the afternoon. When we return, we'll tee up for tonight's women's matchup as well. Uh, dip our toes a little bit more into the big weekend for Clemson and uh, South Carolina. And we got a couple other things still uh, just to circle right around to before we get you out of here on what's turning into a little bit of a dreary day. So everybody hang tight inside the Gamecocks. This show served by Chicken Cock Bourbon and always live from the Sinorama Studios. We'll be right back. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. (laughs) 
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Cole Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up the screen, and it goes to Brewer. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Brewer. His second of the day. Pitches it to Brewer. Turns to Cody. Touchdown, number three of the afternoon. Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does for everybody else. Whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience, and and service second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise and it's done on time and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces 
and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. Oh man, the building is on fire. Emergencies and accidents happen. When you're in the middle of a fire or water event, all you want is for things to return to normal as soon as possible. Resto Pros of the Midlands is with you, guiding you through the process and working with you to get your home or office back in working order. They'll answer your questions, discuss procedures, and can act as your advocate when it comes to processing your insurance claim. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Open 24-7 when you need them. Quality that is guaranteed. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. I love when, when somebody comes in having a tough day. Like if you come in after a loss, I love to change your day. That, that's our biggest goal. You know, that's our biggest thing. We want our managers to, you know, like you're coming to our house to, to, to let it go. Let go of all your stuff you had going on that day. And we can change your day. I mean, people might have struggled with business for the day, but once they get it all, they just relax and enjoy and let us take care of the I always say that life's so hard outside. I mean, uh, you know, think about you know, all the work day and then coming, you know, parking. Maybe they got a date, it's an anniversary, and they're the guy, the pressure on the guy or the girl, entertain clients, entertain your, your boosters. I mean, all that stuff happens. And then for us to sit there and let us take care of you, like that's, you know, that's a lost art. You can't Amazon that. You know, you can't, you know, you can't do that from home. To go out and get dressed up and come to a nice fine dining restaurant, it's a lost art. And uh, we want to keep that special, keep it unique. And, and But, you know, all your orders are gone. Sit down in our seat. I look at our house. And it's our job. We're going to make you feel good. Yeah, that is out now. Chin Music, it just dropped this morning. If you have not had a chance to uh, check on that, maybe pull up the Chief Sports app in 12 minutes. And the conversation with Tommy and Billy Hall is out with Chad Holbrook and Scotty Fryer and Colin Morris uh, with uh, with Chin Music. Of course, that is part of our Chief Sports Network and um, and. So, uh, so happy for those guys. That's a, it's a great conversation. I was able to listen to most of it this morning and, um, and, um, tells you a lot about why, uh, Halls has been so successful. So really happy for those guys and glad that they all got to sit down with their old, their old buddy, uh, Chad Holbrook and, um, check that out again. It, you'll love it. You'll love it. It's a neat conversation. Let you in on a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, uh, with, how they've done what they've done and and um why you should probably all go eat at halls if you if you haven't done that your yourselves. Uh tonight in college basketball, uh not a ton going on. Not a ton, but an upset special is brewing That's at the Chase terrible. Center in San Francisco, California, where 23rd ranked Gonzaga will walk in and try to fend off San Francisco 
They're three-and-a-half-point favorites in the game. They've been playing. The Zags have much, much better of late, as you all well know. Uh, Gonzaga currently on a six-game winning streak, and that includes that four-point victory on the road in Lexington, Kentucky, a couple of Saturdays ago. But San Francisco wants to say something about that. They don't care how many people sleep on the streets and tents out there when they're inside. See if they can pull it off uh, or not. But it's certainly, uh, if you're going to watch it, you're going to be up late. Uh, They don't tip until 11 o'clock on ESPN2. And then on the women's side tonight, of course, that's headlined by the top-ranked Gamecocks. They are in Fayetteville, 18 and 11, Arkansas, 6 and 8 in the league from Bud Walton Arena. It's a 9 o'clock tip on the SEC Network. Carolina looking to stay perfect at 27 and 0. And, uh, of course, they are 14-0 in the SEC, and the SEC championship is theirs. And the same conversation we have every year with South Carolina and Dawn and her team. They're just going on the road to just go do what they do. Um, Right in in the face of everybody expecting them to step back this year. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) I... Never underestimate yeah. the ladies. Crazy. The Gonzaga things. By the way, Cardoso should be back tonight. For those that were wondering. Oh yeah, yeah. She's. I, I read a tweet where she she'll be okay mm-hmm. and play tonight. Um, I, I see some of these projections where Carolina's on the sixth line in the tournament, and they play like the winner of Gonzaga and Providence. Mm-hmm. I I would prefer to avoid that. <laughs> Yeah, that's not that's not the most ideal. Scenario, I, I, I think both of those teams are now. Providence got the bejesus beat out of them last night by Marquette, uh, mm-hmm. but they got that kid Devin Carter. And but I mean, man, uh, Gonzaga. I don't I don't want any part of Gonzaga in the, in a first round game. As an, I mean, they're they're they have to be better than eleven, I would think. But uh, we'll see how that works out. Also, want to give a shout out and call out WG Will Gunner. Because his Lexington Wildcats are playing my Burns High School running Rebels tomorrow night for the state championship in Florida. Mm. So there you go. Uh, he's the only Lexington grad I, I'm, I'm friends with. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, WG. But, uh, huh? I, I'm sure we know many of them. But uh, anyway, Burns Rebel basketball is back. Lane Fowler, who. Um, was the point guard for the team that lost to Ray Allen's team um, in, what was it, 90, 92, 93? Uh, and he's taken them back and rebuilt that program pretty nicely. So they won it all in 2016, and here they got another shot in 2024. So shout out to my school, Burns. Uh, I wish I was in the state and I could I could swing by and watch that. So. As far as basketball goes at uh, South Carolina, three tickets remain for Saturday game between the Florida Gators and South Carolina. Uh, you heard that right. There's three. That's it. There are some for resale, but three tickets away from being a sellout crowd as it should be uh, for the Gamecocks and for the Gators. It's uh, Again, I mentioned this the other day, uh, and I'll, I'll do my homework and be able to confirm it tomorrow unless Michael Debates does before me, and he's the SID, so he might very well do that. The very talented Michael Debates, I would I would add, but uh, by my math, by my math now, I'm 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 pretty positive 
the last time it was a ranked v ranked matchup for the Gamecock men in this arena uh, was back in uh, January of 2017 against the Florida Gators. As a matter of fact, and South Carolina won that game. I think it was 58 to 53 was the final score, if I remember correctly. It's been that long, seven years since Carolina walked in as a ranked team hosting a ranked team on their home floor. So this is this is this doesn't happen much around here. And uh, the ways that it, the way that it looks, there will be eighteen thousand there uh, to watch this game. It is a quad two opportunity for Carolina as it stands today. Florida, even though they won the game, fell five spots in the net rankings last night, and they dropped out of the top 30. So they are 33rd in the net rankings. South Carolina moved up one to 47. So uh, this is a quad two opportunity. Tennessee, of course, will be a quad one, and, and Mississippi State will be a quad one as well later on down the road in Starkville. But um, that's kind of kind of the scene. Also, I did exchange some texts. I, I it, it, let's just say that it's just unlikely that we're going to see baseball tomorrow. It's just unlikely. It just really is. It stinks, um, but they're going to have a solution rolled out as soon as they make the final call, and and everybody will know what the plan will be. Uh, there will there won't be a doubleheader on Saturday, and um, so we'll we'll, we'll see what they're what their plan is. My, my guess says probably what nobody wants to hear, but my guess is they're going to probably end up having to come back and play this game at Founders Park uh, somewhere somewhere down the road. So, Yeah, you hate that. You're going to have to welcome in a, a tough opponent in the middle of probably conference season, but that's okay. No, that's all right. You'll be able to handle yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, again, I, I don't want to jump the gun. Like, I don't want to <laughs> – Put a, no, I mean, I'm not assuming anything, and I don't know anything. Nobody told me, but I'm just assuming that that's probably where you would sneak it in would be later. Well, yeah, so yeah, so what you would what you would do is is you know this has happened a bunch over the years. What you'll do is you'll yeah. look at the the weeks down the road that correlate with both schedules, uh, where mm-hmm. you have a light midweek. So and and you'll probably it'll probably be kicked a little bit. Like you don't want to have. You don't want to have two midweek games, but generally, once you get into conference play, you both only have one midweek game. So, yeah. you know, they'll look and see where those are when it comes to travel and things like that, and um, and then maybe try to squeeze it in on a on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, or maybe there's a week. I, I think there's now oh, it's a ways away. It, yeah, it is. Okay, April nineteenth through the 21st Carolina hosts Arkansas and then the following they they have off they're off they don't have any midweeks and then uh Kentucky comes to town the following weekend you know that would be one where you could you could squeeze it in but well, I haven't looked at Clemson's schedule so you know they'll be coming up with whatever scenarios they can come up with and we'll go from there Clemson I looked at their schedule yesterday I don't I didn't memorize it or anything but they have <clears throat> They drew a. They have a pretty tough draw from the ACC this year. I mean, it's a lot of Florida States, Miamis, North Carolinas, Notre Dames teams like Great that. Leagues. But yeah, it is it, the baseball. They, that's the one sport. The 
that particular league has not sunk in lately. Uh, they are really good. Virginia, schools like that. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Martin says if they get two and one regular season and win one game in the SEC tournament, what seed? I, maybe a five, probably. They're right there at six right now. So if they kind of ping pong back and forth, win some, lose some, they'll probably stay there. I think I think well, you're talking four or three if you can, if you can go – winning record like well that'd make them three and two i don't know i think i think yeah. one more one more loss and because keep in mind strength of schedule is going to hold they're going to hold it it's going to hold them back a little bit and their net is going to probably hold them back just a tad uh just because it it, it doesn't matter but it does um <clears throat> you know so we'll see we'll see what happens i i'm hoping for a four or higher I think that would be outstanding. Yeah, I think the one thing you can guarantee with the two road wins in the last two games is that you don't have to worry about some mid-major sneaking in by way of their conference championship. You've avoided yeah. that from being your downfall. With Off the bubble. Two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Somebody who's just like not even on the radar has a magical run in their conference tournament and – you know, plays their way into an automatic bid. You you don't have to worry about that anymore. No, no, that's over. They don't have to worry about it at all now. Yeah, um, and you got two home games. Like, look, I, I I like Florida. I think their coach has done a good job turning them around this year. They play a, a fun style, uh, and they they you know you tell think a And M. Hey, by the way, last night Carolina went toe to toe with them rebounding wise. Did you notice that? Oh yeah. Well, they, they beat them on the. They, yeah. I think they're the best offensive rebounding team in the league. Carolina beat them. Yeah, in the country. Yeah. Board. In the country. Yeah. Or, yeah, uh, in, the country. in the country. So, so yeah. Florida's a pretty good rebounded team as well. They got these these interchangeable yeah. big dudes um, and, and good athletes like they normally do. But South Carolina, I think, matches up well at home. Probably a close game. But I think I, at Tennessee game, I still I still think they're the best team in the conference with that when the connect is connecting. Uh, but they've struggled on the road a little bit and been kind of lackluster. Um, you know, Carolina beat them up there. Uh, I think uh, I think that one, they'll really be hanging from the rafters when the balls come to town if, uh, if they win Saturday. So, yeah. you know, that one's probably a little less likely. And then I think Mississippi State, despite their loss to Kentucky the other night, is playing as well as anybody uh, in the league. I mean, they, they went from bubble to solidly in. And kind of left Ole Miss and A and M in their tracks. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's not going to be easy, but uh, oh lordy, if they win those three guys, man, and and can find a way to get a trophy, that's unbelievable. It would be something. There's no yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, a reminder: our coverage of Gamecock baseball proudly brought to you by Resto Pros of the Midlands. Resto Pros Midlands SC. RestoProsMidlandsSC.com. Ain't nobody got time for that. If you've had a fire, we all know that, but they do. RestoPros of the Midlands, emergencies and accidents happen. Open 24-7 when you need them. Gamecock-owned, Gamecock-operated quality. That is guaranteed, and we can't honestly thank them enough for what they do for the entire community a reminder to head to amazon for the alan piercy book if you missed the conversation earlier at gamecock odyssey university of south carolina sports in the independent era 
It'll take you back and it'll educate you on what came before the times that we live in now. And it is awesome. I've already ordered my copy. I saw somebody earlier in the chat box who said they had ordered theirs. Again, type in a Gamecock Odyssey into Amazon. It'll come right up. We'll be on Weather Watch throughout the rest of the day and into the evening. Clemson is scheduled to be in town tonight to uh, hit and take BP and all those type things. So well, I'm sure we'll hear something in the next few hours. Carolina, of course, is almost sold out. For this weekend's game, just three tickets remain for Saturday's matchup against Florida. And tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, Mike Fury will be introduced to South Carolina's community uh, by way of Shane Beamer. The Big Spur will have you covered with all of that. The new Chin Music episode with Hall's Chop House's uh, Billy and Tommy Hall is also out on our app. It's all the news we've got. Wait a minute. No, there's something you guys didn't tell me and I'm mad at you. Cool. Nobody told me there was a new Ghostbusters movie coming out at the end of March. Well, I didn't know that. I was unaware. No, I mean, it, it's got Isn't Bill it? Murray, and it's got the cast from the Ghostbusters Afterlife, but it's got Winston, it's got Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Slimer, the Ecto Wagon, or Ecto-8. It's called Frozen Empire. I don't know what kind of weirdness this is going to bring, but... Um, I just got the email from Fandango. Uh, I guess NCAA tournament weekend, uh, it's coming out, so I won't be going to see it then, obviously. But uh, <laughs> nobody told me this. I didn't know that either. Huh? You God, just told I, me, so I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, thank I'm you. mad at you still. I'm you gotta, you got to let me have important information like that. Please. Put it on That's the chat. Right. Put it on the chat. Put it on your chat. Private chat. Greg, I would tell you, I agree with you. I would also tell you there's been three calls on him, and uh, I will back him up on that because that one kid last night just fell over for no reason. That's insane. But, uh, yes, he's also had some silly fouls as well. All right, we got to get out of here, guys. We'll be back tomorrow at 11. Built by the Barn Doco. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll see you then.